Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard True Intentions and their track, Point Origin. Rob, my brother from Will to Live, has a project going with Johnny Rio, Reese from New Zealand, Mike Fury, a few other guys, absolutely incredible. They started as a COVID project, and we're going to talk about it on the show, so I don't want to leave too much out, but um, they're getting out their feet. First show this weekend with DBD in Texas. We're going to see them later this fall in Boston, one of the Slapshot 35-year shows. Very excited for a band like this to come out of Texas with some amazing seasoned, fucking legit pros behind my boy Rob, who is the heart and soul of Texas Hardcore. Obviously, we've had two weeks off. My computer, specifically, took a complete total shit. And it was so odd because we recorded a Rule of Three episode. And we had a little technical difficulty. Zoom is complete ass. But Richie and the G both have Apple and I got PC so we can't use the Squadcast shit which we're using tonight. Which I still think is the best app running. But uh, yeah, my computer totally fucked me. I lost some episodes, lost some content. Fucking crushed me. So, sorry. Sorry Joe McHenry. Sorry, Max. Yeah, Max doesn't have the internet, but he uh, was like, hey, uh, I noticed no episode. What's still going on? And um, But we're back. This is an episode for me specifically, which showcases sometimes the unsung heroes, Rob being one of them. And I think more and more about what this podcast should and could be. And, and it's... It's, I don't know, it's not, it's not like a Salvation Army knife or a Swiss Army knife, rather. It's a little bit of everything, you know? Like, we're definitely getting Wally back up here for Part 2. Anyone who heard the Carl Part 2 episodes knows, like, there's still the deep hardcore history. But there's also this element of people that I find interesting. People that I know have had impacts that maybe have gone unsung. And... We can add all that and some newer people coming up and old heroes. It's it's a good show. And so, especially when someone like Rob, who I've been friends with for a long fucking time, has a new project, its tracks are dropping, why not, you know, do a little backstory, get people interested, and, you know, give our friends some pop. That's what this whole thing's about. It's also something that impresses me that so many young people and old people we put a track out there. People hit me up every time. Like, oh, man, that song was good. I checked them out. And that's why I really am happy that, you know, the opening track gimmick kind of stuck. But um, a lot going on. Sort of dated. I mean, I feel like it's been a month, but it's only been two weeks. So much to talk about. So many new things to record. Still playing catch up. Um, but we're fucking back. And hardcore shows are back. And I'm going to give you my little bit of wisdom. We're going to espouse on this a little bit deeper on the Rule of Three episode that we're going to record this week. But um, let's try to uh, remember we're all part of the same thing. And let's try to remember that we can have differences, but we're too smart to start dehumanizing people that don't agree with our outlook. And I'm not talking about giving pity or remorse to 
people who are, are horrible enough to legitimately want more people to get put into an oven or some Nazi fantasy shit. I'm talking about just disagreements about social politics and disagreements about current health concerns. And I'm not going to delve or even say the names, but remember, as this world turns, this small little thing of ours is all we have. So why fight, argue, bicker, and look for reasons to separate? We should look at more reasons to come together. And that's all I got on that. Rob, from Will to Live, has an amazing story. And, you know, we could say Vogel's name in way in times, but there's so many people that not only vouch and verify that this motherfucker is tested and true, but just, he, you know, he's a big guy with an even bigger heart. And a lot of things became more possible. And we talk a lot about that in the show, and it has to be understood. Yes, somebody may have come around and somebody may have done this or that or the third, but his impact has deep roots into why I believe Texas has become such fertile ground. And so his legacy we spoke on, his his outlook back then, his everything we usually say, and it's a great story, and I'm just so fucking happy to have him on the show after all this time. I hit him up fucking, I don't know, months ago. And was like, baby boy, we got to get you on the show. So I'm really excited for this one. Thank you for the patience. Thank you for the support. Thank you for not punishing me and yelling at me. I got a fucking PC. I know. I have people like, oh, get a Mac, get a Mac. Yeah, I have to relearn how to do everything on Mac. Um, But no, thank you for the support. I'm fucking back. Uh, two episodes away from 50. So much cool shit coming up. Recording four times in the next five days. And just thank you. Let's fucking go we are talking to my man rob most known for will to live but also now in a new band true intentions but for those who don't know for a long time this man held down texas hard and i could tell you without a doubt especially in the early 2000s there are so much amazing shows that happened for punishment for shattered realm i mean Without Rob and his presence in the, uh, not only Houston hardcore scene, but in Texas in general, I don't know if so many of these bands that came through would have had the welcome they had. And with um, the recent passing of Scott from Will to Live and the new project True Intention, I told Rob we got to get him on the show, and I'm just happy to have you on, brother. Hey, man, I'm, it's, I'm very glad to to be here, Joe, and, and I have been... Uh, checking out your your podcast and uh, uh as, a, as a true wordsmith that you are it's uh it's always a pleasure uh to to hear you do something you're so passionate about which is which is hardcore and the history of it and hey you know we we learn a little bit uh uh with every episode so man thanks for having me i mean that's i really appreciate that for me specifically i think about hardcore and the people within it and it's not always the most documented people that have had such impacts and if nothing else out of this show we are getting to the nuts and bolts of people who have done so much for hardcore in their own right and i believe specifically 
that the thing that hardcore gives us is the opportunity to change. If nothing else, like your impact, your impact changes your local scene, your local scene then impacted all these touring bands at the time, including my own. And so we're lucky that we're have this invested of time and we're able to change our own little world for the better. And if all these stories come out, then people understand the synchronicity of, of all of us and how we all played a role here. And that's really, I mean, Vogel, I mean, for those listening, Scott Vogel is one of the biggest champions of Rob from will to live. And anyone who's played down there knows that without, without Rob and without, you know, the impact at the earliest stages, I don't know if hardcore would have been the same in, in Texas. And, you know, you don't think about Texas if you're an East coast or a West coast person, but at some point you have to understand, you know, pre all this modern time where Texas hardcore has a lot of people and a lot of champions traveling the U S and not having a good Texas show that could fuck you. And, you know, you guys did the opposite. You guys made Houston, you guys made San Antonio, absolutely places that everybody wanted to play. And um, before we get into the band, before we get into the band part, I, I always wanted to know where, you know, like what was, what was growing up like for you? What was the music in your house? And we'll kind of take it from there. I was born and raised uh, in El Salvador, Central America. And, um, you know, very conservative uh, Catholic suburban family. And, um, you know, I had a very, very amazing uh, childhood and uh, with uh, very loving, caring parents. Um, and uh, I mean, I have nothing but but love for them. And, I, and I'm blessed to still have them in my life now as an almost 45 year old man. But um, definitely. So then where all the <laughs> if everything was 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 rosy uh, and peachy, then where did all this anger come from uh you know joe uh to this day i i can't tell you where that angst came from and and it may be it may be the i don't know the fact that i grew up in a, in a country that was uh notably violent and um uh there's a civil war playing out playing out while i was there can you get into that more? Like in general, like I know it's it's easy for you to say civil war, and I know people listen are like, God damn, but you gotta understand most of us may have lived in some bad neighborhoods, but none of us grew up near a civil war. So let's uh walk walk us through what your childhood was like in El Salvador as all this going. Because I remember as a child of the eighties seeing stuff in the news all the time. So yeah. I have a I have a pretty decent idea, but I'd like some kind of description what your daily life was like, what, you know, like what it was like just dealing with the, the ramifications of all that around you. Right. Well, the, the ramifications of it is, uh, you know, and at least as, as it, uh, as it affected me was, uh, you know, hypervigilance at all times, you know, it's, uh, you know, almost like, um, you know, and, and mind you, you know, this is, this was, uh, I wasn't living, the, the, the super hard life that the people out in the country were living with, which is where the majority of the conflict was was playing out, you know, and this was a, a civil war uh, of um, the, you know, the, the Communist Party trying to, uh, in the interest of uh, trying to uh, take over the, the country, you know, and, and, and bring, uh, bring out uh, communism and uh, the United States, uh, played its role down there in different countries in Central America. 
and uh you know whether people like it or not i mean this, these are i'm not saying pro or against anyone it's, these are just matters of fact uh that i'm speaking and uh that's really what the conflict was about was uh the the one side fighting against the other one side trying to uh take over um and in the middle the people you know and that's that's who i care about and that's what i talk about is the people uh and uh, the ramifications and these are topics that i've touched in uh, in will to live uh, material before um so i mean imagine you know you as i was a suburban kid that you know went to uh i went to a a Catholic school that was uh, an all-boy Catholic school at the time that was a few meters away from my house, really. And it was, a, uh, it was a cool little experience. You know, I have nothing uh, nothing but fond memories of it. Uh, my brother went to the same school. Uh, but then imagine you can come home and, uh, you know, bust out the soccer ball uh, with uh, your neighbors and start, you know, busting out with a little game, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you hear two big, loud explosions that shake, that shake the, the floor, you know, and it's time, and, and power, if it's, if it's already nighttime, power would go out immediately, and then almost right after that, uh, gunfire, right, and that's how these things would play out, and this was uh, not uh, uncommon, uh, power outages were very common. Uh, a common guerrilla tactic is to knock out um, uh, power, infrastructure damage, right? Um, and uh, to destabilize and then uh, attack, right? Uh, so yeah. th these were real situations that we that we faced daily, right? And, and once again, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily in the middle of all the fighting but i mean but i can tell you what it's like to be watching tv you know i mean we we were i mean we had it so good man as, as kids my my siblings and i you know we would be chilling in the in the in the living room you know watching uh futurama was the thing it was i was able to watch you know i grew up watching hbo and and learning english that way you know um but we could be watching TV and all of a sudden the two bombs, power goes out uh, and uh, immediate uh, gunfire. And it's time to huddle everybody together and go to the um, go to the hallway that uh, didn't have any windows. You know, this was uh, a, a drill that everybody knew uh, very well in my household. You know, and this was... Uh, that is something that I grew up with, man, uh, for sure. Uh, it was, uh, besides that, it was a lot of visits to my grandma's house uh, where uh, we would congregate with uh, my cousins. And, and again, really, really good times. But, um, but I will say that, um, like, going out in public, there was always, at least in my little mind, at 8, at 9, at 10, at 11, 12, there was always that little thing in the back of my mind that that time we went out could be the last because it happened to people. It was on the news all, all the time. It happened to some people we knew also where they went and they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it wasn't necessarily crime related. It was really uh, you're just collateral damage in a, in a civil war. 
and that is, uh, you know, we were fortunate that uh, my aunt uh, started working with the, uh, fortunate in the sense that that's how we ended up here in this country, in the U.S., is that uh, my aunt uh, started uh, immigrating to the U.S. They worked for the U.S. Embassy in El Salvador, and they started immigrating in the 60s and over time sponsored all their siblings that were willing and wanting to come to the U.S., and uh, including my father and uh, my mother. And, um, I mean, we even had that lined up. You know, we, we came here with, uh, with a plan, and... Um, and we landed in, in Miami, Florida, uh, February 4th, 1990. I was, uh, you know, about 12 and a half. My, I always remember that my classmates were starting. The, the school year is a little different. Uh, it was uh, not, in, not in sync with the U.S. Uh, school, school year. Uh, Over there, it would run from the beginning of February to the ending of October. So I was about to start eighth grade over there, and I, I came here, and eighth grade was already halfway through. And uh, they did some evals, and, you know, I guess all that Futurama, HBO, Showtime watching paid off, and they just uh, they asked me if I wanted to do the second half, the first half, if I wanted to start over eighth grade again in August, or if I just wanted to skip the first half of eighth grade and... and <laughs> And, and in fact, be, play, be placed uh, ahead. And of course, I, I, I said I wanted to be placed ahead. But um, that's uh, how uh, we ended up here in the, in the U.S., man. And then uh, over there in, in Miami, uh, I mean, I, I was already into, you know, your gateway bands of the 80s. You know, uh, uh, Metallica had Injustice for All Out. Uh, I was into Maiden already. Iron Maiden was the first band I would say I really got obsessed with um, when Seventh Son came out. Seventh Son of Seventh Son. Uh, this would be around 88, right? And um, so I, I moved to Florida. I met my friend Tito over there and he had a, from Nicaragua, also in the U.S. for political, political war reasons. <laughs> um, and um, you know, we had a lot in common, starting with the, our love for Metallica, but he had older cousins that were into far more extreme forms of music, uh, primarily a lot of thrash, a lot of death metal. Um, and, you know, South Florida, I mean, Florida in general at the time, I mean, if you wanted to to be in, into death metal, that was it. Man. That's ground zero. That's ground so zero. Right ground zero was, you were either Florida or, or, or Sweden. And, and it was, uh, you know, I remember obituary still had a uh, slowly rot out. Uh, death had just released, uh, spiritual healing, I believe. Yeah. Man, I heard that shit and there was no turning back as far as like heavy music for me. And, uh, mind you, I grew up in a household where there is a very marked difference. Be you know, mom and dad are not your friends. They're your mom and dad. <laughs> You know, there's, there's this, there's, there's, there's this big, uh, there's this pedestal, right? I mean, they become more of your friends as you get older, but when you're a kid or a teenager, there's like, you're here and mom and dad are, are that generational gap is very marked. At least it was in my household. Right. And, uh, you know, my father, you know, he, he is, uh, he, li he listened to, you know, primarily listens to, you know, like just traditional, they like a lot of Spanish music, like, from Spain, uh, they like uh, he likes his rancheras, his Mexican rancheras, 
and uh, you know, he wasn't really very much of a uh, a heavy metal or rock guy at all. I, I never had that influence coming from my household. While he did like the Beatles in the '60s, and he liked the the um, the Birds, he, he always thought that my my music was uh, sort of noise, you know. Yeah, long hair noise, and uh, <laughs> you know, my mother very much. Uh, she's she's always been very taken by flamenco and Spanish music in general, couplets and stuff like that, and that's really been her her passion her whole life, uh, even now into her seventies. Um, she doesn't speak much English, so I can say her, I can say into her seven inches, she won't be mad at me, but, um, <laughs> but I love them dearly. I, I just never had the, now that I'm older, I feel a little more support from them on my music stuff because obviously they know after 30 plus years, I never really, I never let go of it. It's the one constant about that's always been in my life. Um, but, uh. I, I don't know, man. I guess that anger must have come from, from the war, from some of the injustice that I saw, whether it was on the news or or before my eyes. Um, you know, man, something stuck in there, and, and I think that the heavy music fueled it. Um, and, uh, you know, man, I, I, I made it a point to, for this uh, new, new project, to kind of, like, speak a lot about uh, my as the name of the EP, which we're going to get into later, but I made it a point to, to, to specifically single out how in the midst of all that heavy metal, in the middle of all that crazy death metal stuff that I was seeing every, every, every other day, every weekend, you know, that I could, even when I was a young kid, I would uh, get dropped off at the venue or, or go with friends uh, uh, and uh, go catch my leveling creation uh, you know, if we were lucky, go catch obituaries, whoever from Tampa wanted to, was coming down to South Florida for a B or C reason. Uh, I won't, I was going to see Sepultura, uh, with, uh, Sacred Reich and Napalm Death at the Institute in Miami beach, August 9th, 1991. And there was a band called Sick of It All opening for them. Hell yeah. And, uh, I had a copy through my friend Tito that I mentioned, a Nicaraguan friend. I had a a, a cassette, you know, uh, I still have it, by the way. I'm a, sort of a pack rat to my wife's dismay. I'm a, I'm a pack rat, man. So I had this cassette uh, of the We Stand Alone EP, and I had uh, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. So I just imagine, I had this image of this huge, uh, you know, monster tattooed guy as the vocalist, you know, and his hard ass dudes, man. And um, I've, I've told people the story before, man. I got, I mean, I'm brand fucking new to like shows uh, like that are not like arena shows. And, uh, you know, I get dropped off at the Institute and there's like actual tattooed people around me, like not, not in the magazines, uh, like just, just people that look scary to me at like what, 14, 15, I could have been. I'm sure it was 14, actually, so I hadn't turned 15 yet. But I'm there, and, um, you know, man, I, this, this uh, thin guy, slender guy walks up to me, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like I was worried that he was just trying to fill me out to see, I don't know, man, I don't, I, you know, I grew up distrustful of people, but he was just kind of like, he just made small talk with me, and um, he was asking me if I'd been to many shows, and I was like, well, not really, and like, 
it just kind of set me at ease that you know man people are just fucking they just have fun man they just come out and have a blast and then he said i well i gotta get on stage and and uh and it was lou it was lou collar no none other and uh it just flipped my script joe if fucking flip my fucking script because i i mean i love sepultura i love napalm and all i love those bands and i like the sick but all stuff that i'd heard on the on the cassette through my friend but i just i had never seen people like actually dancing piling and i was like they're piling on dude i was like that dude look at them they're like piling on and and he's letting them sing and he's jumping into the crowd and i was like fuck i have to do that someday I fucking have to do that someday. And um, the, the rest is history, Joe. The rest is fucking history. It's, it's the beginning of a lifelong journey to have a band to be able to do that with. And it meant I met a lot of resistance uh, for A, B, or C reason. Maybe because I'm a perfectionist. I'm a fucking Virgo. And I like things to be the way I like them to be. Um, and uh, I mean, you, you've known this, man. You've you known how how I do with my merch, how I'm industrious with that kind of stuff. And um, you know, I, I just couldn't find the right players, man. And I didn't really uh, have anyone uh, to do that with until uh, later on. So I mean, Scott, it was a long road to get there. But um, but anyway, uh, I think I already went over. Uh, a little past what you had originally asked me. No, 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 no. You, you, you filled in the blank. Great. And in fact, it's, it's gotta be something just so wondrous to go from Central America, kind of like a younger family situation. You get to America, you're exposed to this amazing culture right off the bat. And culture shock. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be something else. And I think, had you gone anywhere else besides somewhere like Miami, it would have been harder to just get that exposure because of the fact that Miami is one of these beautiful hardcore communities with so many different um, ethnicities and different backgrounds where you were able to kind of come in and, you know, being bilingual and all that was probably a lot easier than if you showed up in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. It was, again, man, I'm, I, uh, I've been blessed with uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of things uh, uh, lining up in my life, man. And and you know, when people listen to my music uh, and to the stuff I write about, you know, they're usually going to hear something positive. They usually, even though the music is pissed off, they're going to hear lyrics that are edifying, that are trying to you know share some of this contagion. You know, I'm, I'm hoping are contagious, uh, positive. Uh, you know, um, messages because, dude, my life has been, I mean, I have nothing to complain. I'd be an ungrateful asshole if I uh, didn't do that, you know, because especially because I know there's people that have had it rough. There's people that have had it rough and then some, the people that have been betrayed by their own families. Um, so, man, um, just... Uh, can I say, Joe? That's why I'm a, I'm a happy guy, dude. And and I'm not saying life is is perfect. You know, there certainly are challenges. Um, but I mean, can't can't change what's coming your way, bro. Just the way you bob and weave. I imagine it wasn't that big of a change for you guys to go from from Florida to Texas versus going from El Salvador to uh, Florida. You know, 
it was big from El Salvador to Florida. It was a gigantic culture shock. First of all, I had never been in a I had never been in a in a mixed school before. It was just an all boys school, and I had gone to to school with pretty much the same group of guys since kindergarten. Oh wow! You know what? I didn't even take that into consideration because you said Catholic school, and here we have parochial. You know, we have split up. You know, boys go to one school, girls go. Yeah, it didn't even hit to me. Damn. So, well, I mean, besides that, I mean, it was uh, it was a very strict environment, and it's like obviously you can't get that many dudes together and not have your fisticuffs here and there, you know, and your fights and shit. But I mean, I'm talking about fights getting broken up by by the brothers, you know, like they were not actual priests, but they were called brothers, you know, and yeah, um, dudes would just come in and break that shit up with us with the rosary, just straight up whooping people with it. Um, but um, to go from that to, you know, I'm in my, in my, in my eighth grade class in, in, in middle school, I went to uh, Lake Stevens uh, middle school out in uh, 47th Ave in, in Carroll City in Miami, Florida. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was rough, man. It was uh, definitely not uh, going from a posh, a posh situation that I was in going to that. Uh, and, you know, it fucking looked like a prison in there to me at the, at the time, you know, like no windows and shit. Uh, and, uh, in fact, some windows that were boarded up with metal uh, I was like, fuck, man, this this is kind of different. And uh, sitting next to this dude that's got like a full beard, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This this is kind of weird and shocking. And then and then seeing students straight up, you know, throw the birdie at teachers and tell them to fuck themselves. And I'm like, oh my god, that I would have gotten fucking murdered if I'd done that back home. So it was definitely a shock. Now from Miami to to Texas, you know, my dad relocated for for work. You know, he had a uh, uh, he had a position open up over here, uh, and um, and being in the in the petroleum industry, uh, you know, Texas has always been a a mecca for for energy in general, right? Energy industry in general. So, I mean, honestly, I was very, I was kind of ticked off. Uh, because I was, uh, you know, I was a junior in, in high school already. I was going into my senior year when we decided to move, and uh, I had my band already. I had a. This is uh, no, 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 no. This isn't your first hardcore band. Your hardcore, What year was this? 93, 94 You're talking about. This is uh, 93, 90, 90, 92, 93. It was actually a okay. band called Superation. We didn't. We never did shit with it. We always. We were gonna, we were always saving for a demo that never happened, you know. Uh, but this was with, with my boy Jose Lopez, who you met. He he was a drummer for Wolf. So we reconnected later in life, and he, after he got out of the Rangers and in the in the army, he moved to Texas because he knew. I told him, "Hey man, Will to Live is popping." Uh, we've had to, we've had the band for like a year and a half, and our drummer just left for school. Uh, are you gonna stay in the military, or do you want to continue with the band we left? Uh, in 1993 on standby he's like shit man uh i'll call you back later after i go talk to my superiors and he said dude i'm i'm, I'm going to texas and he drummed for will to live until he got married uh back in 2005 and so you Damn. did say he was the, he was our drummer 
um, when we went to Philly the first time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we had the band. I had a, I had a ton of friends. I had a, you know, a setup that is like the, I set up that was like the mini version of what we ended up doing here in Houston. You know, I had my, I had my little willow, my, you know, everybody that filled the spot later in my life, there was already somebody that that was being groomed that way in Miami. And it's like, fuck, man, I have to, I have to cut it, you know, because we're, we're relocating uh, to Texas. And I was like, man, all I know about Texas, all I thought about Texas was uh, that it was like, um, like Superman too, you know, when Zod comes down and shit and it's all like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, great. Now we're going from like this multicultural city where, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's all this cool death metal, uh, and um and hardcore and uh, you know now i'm going to like some super backwards super conservative uh, you know country town which is houston that's that's what i thought and it's like, i was like man I told, my, <laughs> I told my dad too and i was like man you know i'm a reasonable man but the moment somebody calls me uh you know any kind of racial slur it's, it's on. I said, it's on, dude. I'm just letting you know right now because in my mind, I was going to act out. And as soon as I turned 18, I was going to go back to Miami. You know, so and I'm and I'm so glad I didn't. Not because I didn't, you know, like Miami, but because, uh, man, I made a I made a, a, a ground camp here in, in, in Houston, you know, in Texas in general. And, um, you know, there was. Uh, when I moved here, I didn't really know that many people. Obviously, uh, there was no social media to do all this networking. I mean, now you can you can be talking to people like for years before you ever meet them in person. You know, if you if you're relocating to, I mean, I know good and well that if I was relocating to the great state of Pennsylvania, I mean, I know a list of fucking top tier motherfuckers I would hit up. Starting with Joe Hardcore, of course. <laughs> Hell yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, but back then there was no such thing. So um, you know, we moved here, and uh, you know, I I stuck it out, dude. You know, I I actually I remember I went to see my first real hardcore show. If I moved here in August of '93, August eighth, '93, I think I saw Biohazard in December of that year. Um. And then I saw Sick of It All February of 1994. And they were on tour with uh, this band that I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking horrible. I hope it never blows up. Uh, and it was uh, Corn. Oh, shit. I, I mean, no hard feelings to no, 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 no. people are like Corn. They, they certainly shaped the face of heavy music in many ways. But uh, I was like, this is horrible, dude. I didn't What's like crazy it. is we saw that tour. But out in the Midwest and other places, uh, Sick of It All and Orange Nine and stuff would play with them. We saw them. The first time I saw them, they opened for Biohazard and uh, House of Pain. And then they played a headliner when the record came out. And we went and seen it. And it was Lords of Brooklyn opening and then Sugar Ray. Like when they still were like like not a, like a big band. 
<laughs> but it was crazy, man. Yeah, I, I, it's it's crazy, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it is it is a little wild to think specifically how corn would later have some like deep impact, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then you're like. Yeah, like it, to us, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, this is like an opening band playing, and then they're headlining their small club, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this other, you know, the another band that is like, it was the fly in my soup at, at hardcore shows or metal shows in in Miami was this uh, this band that I was like, oh my god, dude, how they keep, how they continue to get on these shows, like '91, '92. It was this band that was called Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids, and I was like, hell oh, yeah, hey, same god. thing. I was like, thank God these guys are never gonna blow up. So those are two bands that I, that I <laughs> uh, that I you know figured, man, this shit is never gonna catch on. And then you know later on, uh, you know we we things came to pass, right? Um, but yeah. I mean, hey man, no our films. I mean everybody everybody has their musical taste, man. And um, you know I'm only joking when I say that. I mean we all have our 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 guilty pleasures, man. Um, so. Uh, Texas, I'm glad I stayed, dude. Um, we... Well, can you can you outline what you like, uh, what you were doing to kind of like link up with shows when you got to Texas? Were there people that you met to kind of put you on? Like, what was it like shifting over from the Miami scene when you were trying to find shows as you get to Texas? Well, yeah, man. Listen, so so the first thing I did is like, look, man, I need. You know, I'm a very strategic person, Joe. I'm not somebody that just takes out and runs out, runs around with a naked blade. You know, I don't do that. I, I strategize and then I go get what I want. Uh, and when in this case, uh, for for music, for shows, uh, there was a, a local. I mean, the first thing I had to do was get a get a home base, dude. So find a local uh, music store, you know, that that could find that. You know, I knew that if I found a music store, I'd be able to get, um, you know, my my music, uh, special special ordering music, since we didn't have YouTube to just go and say, let me get that, let me get that demo, or let me get yeah, that seriously, demo, right? <laughs> or or let me, I want to watch a, uh, I want to watch a 1986 uh, somewhere on tour, Iron Maiden uh, bootleg. Uh, so then uh, we I, I found a place that still exists actually called Music Town, uh, and my my friend John Molds uh, was uh, you know was there pretty much twenty four seven. As I remember, more than the owner at the time, the owner the owner uh, James also a very nice guy. He was a little bit more of a, a backseat driver, you know, like he ran the business, but he kind of let John be the front face. Uh, John had been in, in, in some bands in the past, uh, more of like uh, metal bands. Uh, and, um, you know, having that hub uh, was uh, good for me to be able to get my fix of music and also uh, be able to check out public news. You know, some of these uh, uh, newspapers and publications that were out there that... Um, and I would just go in there and check them all. I mean, I was going out, John, almost every day, talk music, uh, and um, and you know, I, I never missed uh, a publication of uh, public news where uh, it would have the upcoming shows, right? And um, I was able to find out uh, about several cool shows that way. 
I ended up meeting some some people in high school, you know. Um, I, like I said, I only did my senior year here, and I was kind of like the, the pissed off guy with long hair that kind of didn't look very friendly. But I did meet some friends that are still my buddies to this day, you know. Um, and uh, some I ended up doing some music projects with uh, later in life. Um, and uh, and some have... Uh, have helped me, have been instrumental in, in, in some of the things I've done. In fact, uh, the band that I did before Will to Live, I don't say Scar for Life. Before Scar for Life. Damn, it, you had a band. Who was the, then what was that first band then? Primitive. Okay. Primitive. Uh, and Primitive, incidentally, sounds a lot like True Intentions, Joe. So that's why when I'm going to link Full this circle. up later, I'm going to link this up later. Uh, okay. But um, I. Speaking of these young, there was this, this dude that were about four or five years younger than me. Uh, guys that they 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 started a band called Deep, and these guys were like 15, 16 years old playing like Children of Bottom, like super super technical uh, ahead of their ahead of their years musically speaking with uh, talented, skilled uh, melodic death metal. So um, I was like, well, fuck, man, I have these songs that I wrote back in Miami. And, uh, you know, there was a, there's a song that, um, that's called the Bunch of Brotherhood that is, uh, very much along the lines of True Intentions and another song that sounds like True Intentions meets Biohazard a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, man, I want, I need, you know, what I need to do is I need to find members for this band. I need to get a good recording, well executed. I play guitar, I play bass, I wrote everything. Even the, you know, I, I, I did the, the drums, uh, recording it with a little tape recorder, uh, banging on the desk, you know, like, and uh, I just, I did all that and uh, I tracked it uh, on a cassette and I gave it to these guys from, the, from, from deep, to my, my buddy Spike plays drums. I said, dude, can you put drums to this right here? Just play exactly this, but, you know, just do your magic, man. Do, do your talented metal magic. Make it sound good, uh, but let it be undeniably punk, you know, the, where the drumming is punk. And uh, and then I got the, their guitarist, Jerome. I said, Jerome, can can you play this guitar, but just make it sound cleaner so it doesn't sound sloppy like my sloppy-ass picking? And then I'll play bass. And then we recorded at uh, the, the primitive demo, had those two songs plus a cover of Sick of It All's uh, "My Life," and uh, we, um, I, you know, these guys were obviously just playing for fun, helping me out. But I was that that uh, demo was instrumental for me to put ads and say I'm looking for musicians to start a band that sounds like that would combine Sick of It All, Judge. Um, with the brutality of like old pestilence, old entombed, and um, give me a call, you know. And uh, I'm I, and whenever dudes would call me, I would bring this uh, this primitive demo and said, "You hear this shit? Make it heavier." And uh, you know, some people said I can do that. Uh, and then then you know, for heavier series, and we would end up not doing much. Um. But then there was a guy that played guitar for a band called Objection uh, that I did that 
with, you know, that I met up, that I that I talked to and showed that demo to. And uh, he said, we can do something, dude. We can do something for sure. I want to. Uh, I want to rekindle that 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 old school feeling, you know, because the bands that were around at the time, you know, it's not like, it's not that they were not hardcore bands or that they were not or that they were not good. It's just that in my I wasn't seeing if I went to shows, you know, and if I if I wanted to see like pylons and crazy stage diving moshing, that that thing that made me fall in love with hardcore, it had to be for like a for for like a national band. You know, there was no to, in, before my eyes. I never saw like like uh, torchbearers here in Texas at the time. You know, I'm not saying there weren't. You know, there's certainly bands like Vice Grip that that did their part. You know, uh, like Thread that did their part. But I mean, that traditional hardcore shit that I fell in love with, I hadn't seen it right. So I was like, I need to, I need to do that. And uh, that guy that I'm talking about was Scott. You know. And uh, we started we started talking almost every day that summer of 1997, and um, you know he wrote um, the first song for World to Live called um, "Not Like This," and that was from the 1998 demo. This is when when World to Live was called "Scar for Life." That's the first name that we picked, um, and we recorded a three song demo uh, January of 1998. At our bass player's uh, house, our bass player at the time was this guy named uh, Bill Ferguson, and uh, that guy Jerome uh, from that metal band that tracked on that primitive uh, uh, demo. He also he he also played in in Scar for Life up until our first show. Um, and uh, man, I I think that that demo sparked something new. And something different in uh, in what became Texas hardcore. Um, we started playing shows very aggressively after our first opportunity. Our first opportunity was that Guilty by Association tour. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, we are the leg that we caught down here had uh, Scarhead, Hatebreed. Um, Madball and Earth Crisis. That's the that's the, our first show. Was was uh, we were able to jump in on the downstairs. Uh, the 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 place Fitzgerald had an upstairs and a downstairs. We played that show downstairs. Um, and uh, man, after that, we that we played with pretty much everybody in the Victor Records uh, roster at the time, just about. And uh, I did have this uh, thing in my mind, man, that. Dude, what is this bullshit that if you want if you want to have if you want to be a part of like a really good hardcore scene, you're just gonna move out of Texas. I was like, fuck that, dude. I mean, no hard feelings to all the, the older, more established scenes, but I, I, I thought, you know, then in 1997, 1998, I said, Man, how about we fucking make our own shit happen down here, dude? Even better. Let's fucking have it down here to where we have what we need down here, musically speaking and show speaking. But then also become like a little oasis, you know, for all these bands so that when they're booking, they're not deliberately skipping Texas, specifically at the time Houston, uh, that they find us to be, that we make this a place, a destination for people to want to come to, you know, where they're going to have a bomb, you know, awesome shows. 
they're gonna get paid they're gonna get fed uh and you know whatever other, whatever other extracurricular activities were available and going on at the time you know um so i mean that was uh definitely a goal now let me ask something um the layout you you mentioned uh fitzgerald's were you guys cognizant of some of the surrounding shows happening in other parts of texas what were the bands playing around that time and was it basically just local bands that would get put as support when touring bands room like what was the scene like before you try to implement change and and bring it up to what it's known for now uh well it would be i mean i i remember that there was uh i mean as far as like hardcore hardcore bands i mean at that time objection had already gone a more more of a like a an, an eerie dark metal type direction you know i, I was i was missing the, the punk drumming or whatever but i mean these are guys that uh came up uh in the in the hardcore scene and are hardcore dudes you know undeniably you know it's just uh they weren't feeding my punk rock beat need you know, uh, and I love I love those guys, and I love what they what they did. They actually went on to to form a band called Employer Employee. I don't know if you heard them before. No, I'm unfamiliar. But um, I mean, amazing band, amazing musicians, all of them. Uh, I regret the last time I saw them was last month at uh, Scott's funeral. But um, to to go back to your uh, to your question, I, I mean, local shows. Um, it would be primarily local bands and and or just some local bands doing support. You know, the the, the big band at the time out of here that would draw a ton of people. Uh, it would draw almost an entire high school. Out <laughs> uh, was a a band that uh, a lot of hardcore people gave a hard time to at, at first because they're like, oh, they're not a hardcore band, but this those dudes were my brothers, man. Uh, it's a, a band called I Against. From here, from Houston, okay. and I against, I like to say that was instrumental in what uh, Houston hardcore and, and and mind you, I always I always uh, flew the Texas hardcore flag, not a Houston hardcore flag band, uh, a banner, but um, but I against uh, had a huge draw, and um, and they were always you know the, the the drummer lived right next to like literally his house was sharing a parking space with Fitzgerald's. So um, he knew all the shows coming and he could always, and he always got his band on the shows and you know, man, that we linked up from the beginning, man. And they always try to do things with us. And I would say that some of the biggest shows we played were shows with, with Fitzgerald sold out thanks to I against, and we were able to expose or uh, there was there was this big exposure of hardcore via Will to Live or via any of our brother bands at the time that uh, were able to get on these shows, uh, courtesy of the, of the crowd I against brought you know, and and I against it was, it was a it was a heavy band that never really wanted to be necessarily um, they want, didn't want to be categorized as a hardcore band per se. But I, I mean, I think they played a huge role 
you know, and not a lot of people will give them that credit. And I really hate that, man, because again, you know, we go back to what you said in the beginning. There's a lot of people that go uncredited that made a lot of things happen. And, and, you know, Ricardo, Mark, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ricardo, Mike, Ray, um, Tony, all those guys, um, they, they, uh, man, they exposed me to, to other, to different people. And uh, they got my band. I mean, some some of the people that would go to their shows, you know, you would see them, you know, not dress the hardcore part, <laughs> if if there's such a thing. And uh, you know, you'd see them, you know, dressed a little, a little more like they listen to corn or whatever. And and then you would uh, see them, you know, months later, uh, wearing floor, you know, floor punch. Uh, uh gear and you know becoming uh straight edge or you know becoming part of uh of the hardcore scene dude um so let me ask you that since uh since it's, 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 one last thing one last thing sure, sure. Forget, joe uh, is uh and another you know going back on what you said regionally outside of houston obviously there were bands in 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 in, in all the major cities you know dallas had uh you know, actually, they had uh, Twitch's own. They had Hard Drive. Uh, there was a big scene in Nacogdoches, which is more of a college town, and uh, and in Tyler. Um, in fact, I think the first time Haybreed played in Houston, in, in Texas, I think they played in Tyler. Um, Austin uh, had just short of living, and uh, you know, San Antonio had uh, Far From Breaking, who would eventually later on become iron age yeah which uh, so um but but i i want to say that the one thing that linked it all together joe um in the in the early 2000s and actually 21 years ago is actually uh in laredo dude did you guys play laredo with shadow realm yes we did we played nuevo laredo and laredo oh fuck dude so you guys no Laredo, boy. Yeah, danger zone. But fun. wild, wild, wild shows, wild parties. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But but so so Gabe from Laredo, Gabe Texas, yeah, Las Vegas. He booked the first Texas Hardcore Super Bowl, and while that may sound funny to somebody or anyone that's familiar with the, you know the 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 all well known. Texas Hardcore Super Bowls that happened in, in New York over the decades. Uh, this was a, a, the first time that I remember a ton of bands from different parts of Texas, from Laredo, uh, from Dallas, from Austin, from San Antonio, making a drive all the way to fucking San, to uh, Laredo just to go play this and network and network. And then these these uh, Super Bowls uh, became a yearly up a yearly event until uh, Gabe was uh, you know unable to continue doing them, and some even happened in different cities. So you know, which eventually would become uh, Falkor, you know, which was uh, origi originally started by our, our bass player at the time, Danny Perez, and our friend Britt, and uh, Britt. Uh, Brittany Hall, and um, again, the idea was to showcase the best of Texas talent, you know, and um, 
that's how a lot of these connections were made. That's how some of these bands got to be known. Um, and, you know, man, some, some of these bands, uh, you know, were able to catch the eye outside of Texas. And, and you know, the rest is history. You know, you have uh, Bitter End. You have uh, Power Trip. Um, but if you ask any of those bands, you know, how things started for them and, you know, who who they looked up to at first, they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you, right? And I'm so, not going to say anything else about that. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I see. I see a young Rob with a burgeoning hardcore scene surrounded with satellite other burgeoning hardcore scenes, both without that centrifugal band that kind of rallies them all. And I'm glad that you added to this the Texas Super Bowl because one of the things that I always found, and this, you know, you're talking about 98, 97 at this point, and it was six years later when we came through at Ringworm. Texas had a feel that they were repping San Antonio, Houston, all as one group. Absolutely. And then and then whether you played Corpus Christi, you even if you played El Paso or you played in uh Laredo, um more so those towns also rep Texas. And then I was underwhelmed by Dallas the first time, but then when we came back another time to Dallas put on pretty hard. And um our bands never really did Austin, so I never got to experience any of that. But I always felt the key integral part, and I, I'm really happy you laid this out, was that early on there was a blueprint of Texas hardcore unity. Correct. And and I mean for for whatever uh I had a part in or or not, uh you know, I I remember, dude. I I, I don't remember and and if anybody remembers or has it scribbled anywhere, I don't ever remember seeing the words, the 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 acronym TXHC anywhere. I'm not saying it wasn't. I, I did see Houston Hardcore. I did see different kinds of hardcore. I never saw TXHC. So I said, you know what, motherfucker? I'm going to fucking slap this shit on every goddamn show what's lived us. And uh, to this day, I don't... There may be uh, one or two that that didn't happen with, but I wanted to make sure wherever you went, what's your brand, what what are you repping, that you have no confusion that that it is Texas hardcore. And I was hoping that that's something other bands would want to to follow up with. But I mean, you know, that's just you know one guy's opinion, you know. Um, so. I let me let me ask you what I was going to get to. So, because the band names weren't really national names by any by any right, and a lot of Texas hardcore. I mean, I'll tell you, I I MDC the big boys. You know that there's definitely some OG first generation hardcore shit that just was outstanding from Texas. But from my understanding, from my friends who traveled at the time. It was like the floor punches and then the tours that would get routed through. Those are some of the shows where all where all the Texas people kind of would corral yeah. together so much, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I don't remember. And, and once again, man, th there are older folks uh, that, that were around before me here in Texas. Um, 
including Danny Danny Perez, our old bass player. I've deliberately asked uh, Danny. You know, I said Danny, uh, like six months ago, when I when we first talked about uh, doing uh, the podcast, whenever it is that we first spoke about doing the podcast, Joe. I um, I asked Danny, Danny, listen, bro, if I'm asked about Texas hardcore history, I I want to tell you that I'm gonna I'm gonna speak my version. But um, I certainly want to make sure that I'm not pissing out of the pot. And I said, uh, in all your years in, in, in the scene here in Houston, you know, D Danny was actually uh, the bass player for Refuse to Fall. I don't know if you remember Refuse to Fall is one of the first, I think it's Equal Vision Records number two. Yeah. Mistaken. But I said, Danny, in all your years, was the hardcore scene here in Texas you know, the way it was after Will to Live? And he said, nope. He said, nope, there was definitely a scene. There was definitely uh, people that were down. There's definitely people that came to shows. There's definitely people that would support, but didn't have the sense of unity and the sense of uh, Texas as a whole rather than our city that it had after will to live you know and um again there's there's other people that are that can that are older that can say whether or not that's right or wrong but the, all the ones i've spoken to that have years on me uh, and i'll be 45 next uh next month but people that are a little older than me they've all told me the same thing you know is that i'm very careful not to come out and and say something that then somebody later can say, man, the guy's full of shit. There was this band, there was this other band, and they would book shows together, and they would make sure that if touring bands came, that they all got paid, uh, you know, and did what you've seen, Joe, did what you saw that we were doing for bands, right? Um, so I'd say... Um, that I lost my train of thought, man. No, nah, it's all good. I actually, you were, you were, we were getting onto the same thing. So it was when the touring bands came through that yeah, it was yeah. some of the better shows. But when a band starts out, a lot of the times I've found that the people who start these bands, one of their focuses is getting their band out. It's like now you, now obviously we're unfortunately stuck with the fucking term brand, yeah. which is too often going hand in hand with the bands. But my, my, my perspective but I felt from the first time, you know, you started talking about this whole thing. If we were talking about brands, you weren't worried about pressing will to live over top of people. You were more concerned with bringing people into the fold as like a Texas unity kind of thing. Of course. And I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, what, as you asked me to send, uh, you know, to send you some links or whatever, I should have sent you, as I told you, I'm a pack rat, but um, there are interviews from back when, when we first started, uh, where what I'm telling you today is uh, is documented. You know, I deliver, I always said that uh, that Texas hardcore is, is bigger than, than will to live and that uh, the, not just today, but that the um longevity of texas hardcore is more important to me than will to live you know whatever effort i did 
you know, I never expected Wool to Live to be the big band to break out of Texas. Um, but I, and I, I figured I may not even get to see it in my time. And I'm glad I did get to see it through, uh, through bands like, like, uh, like I said, like Bitter End or through bands like uh, Iron Age or like, uh, like Power Trip. Um, but, uh, but to me, the Texas was uh, having something that would produce, you know, like that would remain was the most important thing to me because I felt that there was something missing when I first moved here. And I said, I, I, I want to do my part so that no kid comes to the scene and doesn't find at least a framework in place. Now, how much of that framework was uh, lost or, or suffered as a result of, uh, you know, my brothers in Pride Kills getting older, myself getting older and, you know, having my child or my, <laughs> rather my wife having our child. And uh, me having to step back a little bit, or feel, having the need to step back a little and and handle my business at uh, my, my 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 home situation a little more than than the band. Um, that you know, I know for sure that there there are bands that that stuck stuck around and newer bands that formed that have done their part in keeping things going. Uh, I know some of the people may not even know who Will to Live is at this point in some of those bands, but hey, man, ultimately, um, what I care about is that what we started um, continues, perdures. And um, I, um, I definitely think that some people are going to be um, surprised by by the stuff that we're, we're bringing with uh, True Intentions and and the stuff that um, we bring, we're gonna bring later on. We will to live too. Um, I'm, I've been doing pre-production for uh, you know almost every other day for the uh, the EP, our, our, our EP that we're gonna record later on this year. For will to live. Uh, our drummers already already has some time booked, and um, you know the the. The song remains the same, as they say. You know, some sometimes some things are just part of your life. And all have is die hard. Let me ask you a couple questions regarding this era of will to live. Um, because of the nature of hardcore, really, especially at that period, we're talking about this is the VODs, this is the Earth Crisis, this is when the really the victory catalog and the and the Roadrunner catalog are really expanding and growing hardcore at a rapid rate in the East coast. You mentioned floor punch. I know floor punch would make it down to Texas. I, I imagine a mainstay of shows at that time period was when these kind of bands would travel. And I know, and I, and I know that the great thing about will to live is because of the power of the band. You got, got the, you got to share the stage with just about, you know, like you had your, you had your pit, you had to pick, you had the basically the batter's choice of whoever you wanted to play with, right? True, true, true. And uh, no, I can say I played with uh, the, of my favorite bands. The only, the only ones I never played with were Iron Maiden and Bad Religion. And I don't think I, I don't even think I would ever 
feel comfortable sharing the stage with them. I think I would just uh, I'd be more concerned trying to catch their show. But um, no, man, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. And I would also jump jump in and say real quick, uh, champions of Rob to live and will to live. Uh, the two main ones besides Joe Hardcore um, would be Scott, who you mentioned, uh, but also Josta. Fucking yeah, Josta early he, on. Definitely put you on. Well, J- Josta straight up. Uh, I had I had a conversation with him in, in, in 98, and I told him, dude, this is my demos. Uh, we're trying to usher this whole new era of Texas Hardcore. You know, and I know I probably sounded stupid to a lot of people when I said all that, dude. But I meant it. Uh, I, I'm and I'm driven when I when I when I'm and I'm determined when I believe in something. And uh, fucking Jamie said, dude, I'm gonna help you as much as I can uh, to get this shit out, dude. And I mean, you fucking you know Jamie, dude, especially in the early days, he fucking he, he grabbed the he grabbed a bunch of demos and took them with him. My first uh, CD with Ultimate, he grabbed. He says, bring me, bring me two boxes. And he tr- took them all over the world, dude. Um, so there were definitely there were definitely people outside of Texas also helping, man. Um, but that's besides. No, it's good. And that's, you know, uh, why I sometimes ask questions on the show to the guests because I know the answers, but the listener may not. And well, yeah. The, the, the story unfolds pretty simply is that will to live because of the legacy of playing and being like that band. Like I, I remember me and Scott having a conversation and he'd be like, and, and this is, and this is for all bands and hardcore to my, to mm-hmm. my uh, opinion, you want to see a band, you see them in their hometown. And even if like regional mosh translation doesn't go as well, you see, you see the band in their hometown, and you get the greatest translation of like what that band means to someone. You can see that now. Granted, there's always caveats. Like, I mean, for us, American Nightmare in Philadelphia was one of them "what the fuck" moments that even they were kind of like, "Yeah, this is crazier than our Boston shit." And for, from time to time, every band, like for Philadelphia, uh, didn't have too much time for punishment, but punishment out in Northern California. Punishment in other places. We got a lot of love because that was what the scene was like at that time. And, um, but for Will to Live, like you were showcasing your band against national acts, and some of these bands are like, fuck, we got to f- fucking follow that. What the fuck? And, um, but I'd like for you to kind of, I'd like for you to kind of break down for people. Like, I know we're talking about Fitzgerald's time. Um, obviously, Willow Varilla, I don't know, I can never get his last name right, but. Yeah. Is this is it's a tough one, dude. It's a Willow Villarreal. It's a, yeah, Villarreal. That's it, Villarreal. <laughs> so, uh, Willow, a great promoter. I mean, now he's well known with his barbecue business. King. Um, the king, like just like legitimately, this whole this whole story is is about people who built up something that they believed in, and not so that way they could sit on top and go, "Hey, fuck you, I did it." They built it for everybody else, and so earlier on in as you were going on, you were, you were, um, I don't think that power trip and, uh, especially, you know, it's, 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 it's not without irony that, uh, frozen soul, creeping death, uh, judiciary, all these heavier things are now coming from Texas. And 
there was no, there's no way that it's gonna not gonna warm you heart to hear that there's like a death metal influenced hardcore that is like getting predominantly known. I mean, uh, but yeah, there's there's shit, there's tons of bands. I mean, you got fucking Kublai Khan, I, who they're playing tomorrow. Um, I am, you know, there's all these heavier shings, and this is stuff that I don't think may have come to total fruition if you guys didn't do the things that you did when you did them. Right? No, I mean, hey, dude, uh, uh, let's put it out there, man. There's bands that, uh, you know, and, 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 man, you know I'm not a violent guy, but it, it, there was more than one occasion where whether or not somebody got their fucking ass kicked out of town, depending on <laughs> depending on what I said on a phone call. And I sure as fuck got more than one phone call saying, hey, you know these dudes? Because I heard this and I heard that, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I know them, man. They're cool fucking kids. Are you sure? Because, you know, I got a fucking knuckle sandwich ready for them. Nah, man, it's cool, dude. You know, they're fucking just young dudes trying to do their thing, man. All right, then. I know no need to go into cities or personalities, but, I mean, you know that shit happens, man. You know so I guess, uh, I mean, that. see, this is the thing that we, we it, it gets, I would say, breezed by, but it's important to discuss is like, a part of hardcore, especially when you're trying to build a scene, is also fostering and mentoring younger people within it. And that comes with the difficult task of, you know, you got a lot of you got a lot of high energy, you got a lot of aggression. Every once in a while, shit's gonna get out of control. And it really does come down to the people like yourself who know everybody to kind of go, All right, yeah, this kid's slipping, but let's not fucking get his head kicked in. Yep. And then vice versa. But it's also got to be interesting for you because, again, you're, you know, by by all right, you're like you're an immigrant to this country. You're an immigrant to the scene, but it was your passion and it was your your drive that really put you at the forefront to be, you know, like as we talk about, like the grown ass men crew and GAMC and all the boys like people looked at you for that stewardship and they looked for you for your input. And I think that in that way is a, is a huge part of why the foundation for what you said, like when bitter ends started coming out and when um, iron age started playing more and, you know, like had these things had not happened. And that's a lot of what this podcast is. It's like, yeah, you know, tomorrow we can get the bitter end guys on the show and we can get the power trip guys on the show. But I want to know the guy who put everything down. So that way there was a road for these bands to fly, you know? Hey man, thank you. I mean, that's uh, it's it's flattering to hear it put that way. Uh, but I mean, to me, it's just what we had to do. If it wasn't there, somebody had to di- to build it, and it wasn't there, dude. I mean, DRI left <laughs> and went and did this shit in California, and God bless them. They're still one of my favorite bands, and sharing the stage with them a couple of times has been one of my favorite things. But I mean. They weren't here to steward anyone when I when I came, you know. Um, and uh, and if they did, it was before my time, and that's why I didn't see it. Uh, but um, no, man. To me, it was important that the. And I guess I guess now now you got it in my head the word brands, but to me it was important. Like in the flyers, dude. I mean, I made sure, you know. If anyone booked this show, like show booked by at the time, JMC, 
boom, booked flyers by JMC. You know, it's like we, uh, those were, you know, brands or, or, or in, the, in this case, um, uh, I wanted to make sure that that was part of the infrastructure that was making things happen, you know, um, or, or, uh, you know, there are times where the flyers and stuff like that said, by will to live, you know, so you don't get confused and you know, okay, this, this is somebody that's pushing, uh, for this whole scene as a, for the scene as a whole, you know, not just for themselves. Now, granted, if I make the flyer, you best believe my fucking band, my band's name is not going to be this little, but, but, but I, I think but also I'm, that was, uh, that was also, I think it was also culturally part of the thing. I mean, I can tell you, if I if if my band's playing three shows in a weekend, four weekends straight, I'm making a punishment flyer with our big ass name on it, and then whatever shows we are playing because we're the one out here hitting the streets. And um, why I bring this up is you know that that record came out at a great time, but I feel, and I've always wanted to your perspective. On where do you like with uh when it came to uh the CD reflections, like um, what did you, what would, do you feel like because you were a Texas band who self released? Yes, before you that finish. you that you were held that you were held back. Had you been from another town or you were from yeah. a coastal? It's yeah. got to be interesting to be from not from a mm-hmm. coastal area I, to not get even, caught on it. I didn't even let you finish, and I was there. Uh, at least I feel that way. Now, granted, granted, they were, I mean, man, when you're dealing with, like, with, like, people that are, like, real hardcore people that you don't have to explain shit to, I mean, people, re- people recognize real. That's, that's more than a, than, a, than a saying, you know, and, and I would, I would say that, well, there were people outside of Texas that showed a, a lot of love to that record. Um, I mean, I, m- maybe my my overwhelming sense of responsibility to other things that I had going on here um, in some way pushed me back from or uh, held me back from uh, just picking up and going on the road uh, more often. You know, but it would take that effort to travel uh, extensively to a coast. Like, I mean, honestly, Joe, and this is between, you know, this is strictly a matter of opinion, but um, I I think that uh, reflections or tested and true. Well, I'll go into tested and true next. I just wanted to like specifically reflections. reflections. I think reflections would have done. Excellent if it had been released uh, out of, coming out of New England or uh, absolutely I think I think uh, just in the in the East Coast in general, Northeast, I, I think it would have done it would have killed it cons- compared to what it did, you know, being self-released, just as you put it, you know I, I, and there's no one to blame here, I mean at all and 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 my option was, uh, find a way to get the band to the East Coast, you know, every every couple of months to go and play a little uh, play a circuit over there, 
like some bands from other from other states have done, you know. So, uh, I mean, I'm not blaming the, I'm not blaming uh, people in the East Coast for not recognizing it. Uh, I, I think uh, hell, if anybody, I'm, I'm in a way uh, explaining that maybe it's something I could have, something more I could have done to get the 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 CD noticed. But it is an undeniable fact that. Um, I mean, there wasn't, uh, there's, there's a huge, uh, geographical gap, uh, between Texas and, and, and these hotspots, you know? Well, like what I, you actually touched the part where I was going to get to, it's like, it's, it sucks that that record didn't get the acknowledgement because sonically it stands up. And I mean, I, I have a, I have a lot of, CDs from that time period and we were on the road consistently and it was that record amongst a few that really stuck out and I remember uh, Juice from Clench Fist was always like man it you know if you're not from the east coast you could be in the best goddamn band and no one's going to want to listen to you he's like you almost want to lie and say oh no we're from this because who the fuck wants to listen to a band from Memphis or a band from Houston you know he's like but it really took being downer to get it full time. And um, so when, so when um, the, the next opportunity to put something out, was it, was it because you self-released and didn't feel like the same traction that you didn't choose to self-release again? Uh, well, uh, um, yes, I felt that we didn't get the same traction and you know, man, there was a little bit of novice, novice shit going on too, because some decisions that you make, and there's like, well, you know, who knows? Maybe it was the right decision, maybe it was a bad decision. But you know who we we're talking to about about putting out reflections? Who's that? Uh, I was actually talking to Edward and Bid- and Berger from uh, from Good Life. In I mean, that that's <laughs> where I, you, I'm so glad you picked up on that because that's something that. I was going to allude to, you know, again, it's so fucked up because this country has such a vast, I mean, for anyone who hasn't driven across the country or haven't done like a U.S. tour, it's so hard for people to understand the distances, but it's like Houston is so fucking far from Boston or New York or from Los Angeles, but in the very same breath, that sound could have went over like it was the East coast or West coast. And it's always blow my mind specifically that the the Europeans didn't pick up on us because you know uh when that when that uh spook city shit dropped we were in Europe and you guys would have blown away half of the Belgians half of the German bands that we were playing with on Shadow Realm tours yeah man i mean that i mean to me that is the biggest uh hell i went to europe several times on my own as a tourist uh, but never, um, never with the will to live, dude. And fucking, if anything, let's go ahead and put this out there now. If, 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 if there's any mission, I, I mean, I, I, at almost 45, uh, family man, uh, you know, having played with almost pretty much every single one of my favorite bands, uh, having some of my best favorite dudes in my records. Uh, the one driving force is to play Europe at least once with Wolf to Live, man. Hell, our last record came out on on Phil with Hate Records. Uh, 
boy Axel put it out for us. Um, the old habits die hard uh, record, and um, yeah, man, um, that uh, not not having played in Europe uh, is uh, definitely uh, I don't want to say a regret, but uh, I really think uh, it would have also it would have done wonders for us. Well, I just think it's. I, I wonder, was there ever interest, or was you were just that kind of excluded or just segregated from that kind of situation where it was never something that it was even thought to be brought up? Uh, you know what? It never really got brought up. But then, but then also, I mean, there's. Uh, it's almost like nobody said, "Man, you guys are fucking sick, dude. Come over." And I'm I'm booking a show. I'm booking a festival. I'm booking a tour. You're off caliber. With uh, you're you have the caliber to come out here and do this. Um, do what you got to do to get over here. That never came up. But hey, man, let's call it what it is, dude. I mean, there's there's bands like like Die Young, uh, and, and some of the other bands that got out of Texas. They just grabbed it by the sack and fucking went out there, dude. Yo, and homeboy, so, so. homeboy from homeboy from Die Young was just on some different shit. Like he's out there playing Thailand and just fucking doing it. Like whatever you want to single shit. Yeah, yeah, dude. yo, like, yeah. like one of the things that I thought was interesting is that like we linked up and I saw there. I thought punishment and I, was, I thought we were grinding. I seen his shit and I'm like. All right, you're just gonna go ahead and just go Southeast Asia on us. Like how the fuck that like, motherfucker's been all over the goddamn world, dude. And uh him and, and, and Mike, who both playing Will to Live now, by the way. Uh, oh, that's actually, fucking awesome. My boy from that young, uh he's a he's a heavy riding contributor uh for the yeah, on guitars, dude. I mean he he writes a lot, man. He's a very prolific writer, Daniel. Uh, I mean, he fucking writes for that young. He writes for, you know, his own projects. Uh, he's uh, doing vocals for Tooth and Claw now with uh, with Scott. Scott Grouse. Yeah, dude. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm going out of the way to make sure that this is said because, you know, he really spearheaded the the project of this new Will to Live uh, EP, the writing. He fucking went crazy writing stuff and he just uh he would just grab mike the drummer and, and both of those guys just love writing you know dude uh i linked up with mike he was in town we went i took him to get cheesesteaks as he was ready to play with mod and the whole time we were rocking and fucking listening to behemoth and he's like you're in the behemoth and we fucking literally that's the only thing we did uh was i linked up on the right after work Got him some cheesesteak, dropped him off for the show. But I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, rest in peace, Scott. But we're not talking about some like backwater town with these guys who didn't have it. Like you had some really accomplished musicians, and and and, and it's known. I mean, you know, um, it's sad to say again, rest in peace again with Wade. But like, there's a lot of people that overlooked that in all the all the talent in Texas hardcore at that time, and for you know, sure, dude, for sure. I mean, and think of Scott, dude. Scott not only wrote some of the seminal stuff for Will to Live, but that that first uh, Pride Kills uh, 
EP Life of that, Hate that became known Life of Hate, dude. Scott wrote that like the hardest songs in there. Scott wrote them, dude. He wrote them. He, you know, you know, you 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 fight with your you fight with your friends and then you kiss and make up sometimes. And um, you know, Scott was uh, out of Wolf's Live at the time, and uh, he just kept trying to inch his way back into Wolf's Live, man. Hey, bro, like, hey, I got all these new songs that I've written and shit. And I mean, you don't have to have me in the band or anything, but I mean, fuck, I'm just thinking I can help the Anvil. The Anvil was our guitarist at the time. Because I just think I can help the Anvil, man. I mean, like, I got these songs, like, like check these songs out. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, and he sent me, you know, the, the song that, uh, that Gabe would breathe its own life to, you know, Gabe uh, Wells. Uh, yeah, he, obviously Scott wrote the music, but you know, Pride Kills became its own thing, and and gave uh, breathed you know his his personality and his life into into that band and into those songs. But I remember Scott sending me the the you know like I have tapes somewhere in there of him sending me the song Life of Hate and the song uh, Wall of Backs. But I was uh. Uh, at the time I was just like yeah, but you know what I'm not gonna piss. All over Mike. Mike was our guitarist at the Anvil. I'm like, I'm not gonna piss all over Mike and what he's doing with the band by using your <laughs> using your music if you're not not in the band. Yeah. Uh, but you know, going back to, to to Scott is, I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, that life of hate, tested and true. Uh, I mean, some of that is some of the best shit that's that I've ever heard of any coast or any part of the world you know he so he was a prolific let, writer man let's just say that the first time we knew what pride kills was and it was like another anomaly and then <laughs> it's us and ringworm in san antonio and we're playing this uh club and the first thing that uh gabe does is launch a fucking mic stand into the crowd <laughs> like literally the first fucking song but you hang out with them afterwards and like Scott was so much different than the rest of them dudes in that band. Like they're all ramped up and he was like the most calm dude. And he said, yo, I was also in will to live. And that brings me to where I was getting when I was like the Texas hardcore scene that I, that I knew had so many interchanging members and bands that shared people. And, you know, like, and, and that would stay on even as absolutely incestuous, even to the point where as like, Daniel Daniel would take his band out on the road. Actually, both Daniels would take their bands out on the road. And you never know who was going to play in what band because it was like whoever could leave Texas was in that band when they did the tour. Well, just figure out just about all these bands. At one point, their members played in fucking Will to Live or helped out Will to Live. Uh, There was a a show that we went to that uh, Scott had to leave. And I'm like, dude, I have to fucking pay the van this month. I have to pay the van and I have to pay for this merch. And uh, and I'm going to fucking Laredo, dude. I'm going to fucking Laredo. We're going to play, dude. And uh, and Mike is like, yeah, yeah, wait, let's go. Let's go. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, and so what are we going to do about guitars and, and bass player? Dude, as soon as we get there, I'm going to fucking ask Griff and uh, Jacob from Bitter End, who were playing that night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to learn at least five Will to Live songs in the van. And uh, I'm going to show them as best as I know <laughs> what the songs are like. And uh, they're better than me uh, musically anyway. So they'll figure it out and we'll go and play a couple of songs, get paid, sell merch. 
And uh, I did that shit several times th- throughout the earlier years of Will to Live. Uh, Caleb from Ten Crowns. Uh, Hell yeah. Ten Crowns is fucking this shit too. He fucking. Uh, R- Ryan fucking filled in on vocals for me once uh, when, I, when I was having. <laughs> when I had my hernia repair. Yeah. Ryan fucking filled in. Uh, Caleb just played guitar and bass for Will to Live at some point. Uh, Jason, when Jason was. Uh, Jason was also on Pride Kills, Jason Friedman. He fucking played uh, guitar and bass at, 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 for at least one or two shows for Will to Live. Um, actually, he went to the East Coast with us one time. Yeah. With Will to Live. Um, no, man. The, the, uh, Paul from uh, Pride Kills played drums uh, for Will Paul, to Live man. on two before. Yeah, man. There's, there's uh, a revolving list of characters, man. Actually... Chris, Chris, uh, conflict from Bright yep. the time. He also, he also jumped in the van with me. Our our guitarist at the time, had we were we were actually headed to do some shows with Ringworm, and Death of Dishonor, uh, to in Florida. We we're gonna go do Miami. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the city, dude. Um, but it was in, you know, it was three shows anyway, and um. And our guitarist, we played the Go Away show in Houston. And then he's like, fuck, dude, I feel like shit, man. I'm like, what's wrong, dude? He's like, oh, man, I think I just need to go to my I need to go to my house and pick something up. Dude, and then his wife calls me telling me that she's taken him to the ER because uh, he's got this undescribable pain on his side. And it turned out that he was, he was having kidney stones. Because he had kidney stones. And I'm like. Well, that fucking sucks, but uh, we got about fucking 24 hours to get to Miami, and uh, the clock is ticking. Uh, who wants to go on tour Woods Live right now? Fucking Chris called the Chris Conflict called his job, quit, quit his job, <laughs> and fucking. Uh, and Caleb said, "Well, fuck it, I guess I'm going to Florida too." And he fucking, you know, it was. Uh, uh, like I can't even remember who was driving, dude. But but it was uh, these guys just uh, learning the songs with me telling them no 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 it goes like this in the van the whole fucking way through, dude. Uh, again, just speaking on how many fucking different people from different bands that played. But that's that's just for World to Live, man. I mean, like you said, for in in uh, in uh, Bitter End and in Iron Age, certainly a, a whole bunch of different characters that played and. In the band, man, uh, for sure. Different what do you band. think? What do you think about like looking at this in a uh, retrospective perspective? Um, there's a lot of bands that we mentioned and tons of people, and I, I'm always interested because I feel like sometimes a specific sh- uh, scene has like a shotgun blast effect on hardcore. You don't know which of the BB is going to hit the target and which is going to go off. And so I was pretty impressed that, like, for some reason, like, a bitter end caught on, but Pride Kills kind of had a different track. And I was always wondering if, do you think because the Pride Kills and Ten Crowns had a different look and they weren't as clean cut, like, do you think that, do you think that had a, uh, do you think that had some bearing on why, like, obviously, like, one band gets one track, why another band gets it? Do you think, like, there was an image situation or, 
What do you think was a derailing factor to why some bands got big outside of Texas where some of these stalwarts from your scene kind of were like more of a regional thing? Well, man, um, I mean, I know for, for, for pride kills, you know, and it, and it, and it feels, uh, weird speaking about, uh, other people necessarily, but, but I think that, um, that with them, the deal was that, you know, Gabe had other responsibilities he needed to take care of at home, you know, and they weren't, uh, uh, able to, to keep an, the, the aggressive, uh, touring schedule that they, uh, wanted to have, uh, at, at the time, you know, um, and that's, that's my, I think that that was a factor, uh, because as far as like being like, a, a band and a show all at, the, all at the same time, you know, this, this, it's like, you know, you were going to a, a practical show and you're getting, you're getting a show, you're getting a wrestling match. You're getting your ass beat if you're not careful, and uh, and then you're getting a, a hardcore show as well. You're getting music out of it too, right? Um, and then Ten Crowns, man, also very aggressive uh, touring. Um, you know, just I, I don't know, man. I don't. I really don't know why Ten Crowns didn't get bigger than than they did, um, because shit, man, they they had the they had the riffs, and uh, I mean Ryan's a great vocalist and also a, a prolific writer. Man, it's another person that's always remained active uh, musically. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I would say that it was a a look per se or a, or an image. Um, I think it's just just a matter of. Uh, I mean, let's. Let's admit it. Who doesn't like Mr. Clean Cut, Danny Rosen? I mean, uh, he's a beautiful, he's a beautiful Irish-looking motherfucker. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh my god, dude, dude! I I have some of my fucking fondest memories. Uh, Nicest guy to scream in a hardcore band. <laughs> I, well, dude, I have this uh, this uh, image of uh, Rosen riding with us. I don't remember where we were going, dude. What what? Uh, it was like a short run somewhere in the northeast and. And he rode with us, dude. And the whole time, he was just like, it's like he had this little notepad, and he was just like, dude, tell me some fucking sketchy stories from Miami, or like, tell me some fucked up shit, or like, hey, dude, um, well, can you tell me about the band Artillery? Like, he was just like, totally, just, dude, tell me more about some obscure bands from Florida. Like, tell me about Raped Ape. Tell me about Brutal Mastication. You know that he was just like soaking it up, man. And I actually started thinking about that story when you mentioned about. Uh, being a stalwart and fucking talking to the, you know, these younger kids, because Danny was my, you know, he when I was like in my uh, early twenties, I mean late twenties, he had to be in his early twenties or younger, dude. He's a lot younger than me. Yeah, he was mad young. I mean, when they started coming up, when they started coming up as this is hardcore started being a thing, and we would put their bands on. And I was always grilling. Oh, you know my boy Rob. Oh yeah, well, to let you, of course I know. You know like. There was almost like the entrance entrance fee at the door, you know, like you don't you don't fuck with will to live, you might not get to play here. You know what I mean? And I, I in fact I don't think I ever booked a Texas band that wasn't either your people or associated with your people or progeny of the work that you guys put on, you know, and that's a testament 
to the hard work that you guys put on back then. And to think that sometimes it takes 20 years of work and seeding and building something fertile to really see. I mean, there's an argument to be made that the heaviest stuff in hardcore is coming out of Texas. And, you know, I mean, when the hell would you ever say that a Texas hardcore band could be nominated for an Oscar or not Oscar the fuck's at the Grammy, you know, like Grammy, dude. Uh, yeah, man. Amen. Mad respect to the OG, uh, ice T man. But I was most fucking definitely rooting for, for bitter end. I mean, for, fucking listen to me for, <laughs> for power. <laughs> I, trip. Do, I do root for bitter end, but I was, uh, rooting for power trip and was very fucking bummed. Uh, that they didn't win because, uh, you know, it would have been like a a testament, uh, yeah, a posthumous thing for for Riley as well, man. Um, but um, hey, man, you know that that's that's life, and um, I mean, I, all I can say is that there's there's going to be more shit coming out of Texas. There continues to be. Uh, there's there's bands out there that are that are doing the damn thing, um, you know. When we get to that time, there's 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 some bands I like to I like to mention, but um, man, Joe, you and I really like to talk, man. I'm just I feel like we just got started, man. There's still so much shit I wish we could cover. <laughs> no, I we're I'm open for it. For me, for me specifically, I think of Texas in such a different way because we played back and forth, up and down it, and, and crisscrossed it. But there was a something warm when we got to, and I and and, I, and my 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 geography is limited, but it was the Houston San Antonio shows, like mm-hmm. the the, the one two punch that would make the trip. Like El Paso was always very nice to us, you know. Uh, I didn't leave Corpus Christi on the last on a good front the last time we played there, <laughs> and uh, we had our van we had our van. We had our stolen trailer stolen back from us by the damn cops in Laredo, Texas. So fuck them guys. But there was something that made the trip down there worth it. And it was you guys. And and, and to think about your legacy and just the hardcore scene now is, it has such an eye on everything that's going on. I mean, I grew up in hardcore. You grew up in hardcore. And now, you know, recently Scott from Will to Live passed. I, I look at loss as we written, then we, we, we really have to look into the value of the person and, and its impact and what they did. And, you know, all the people, all the loss from Texas, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And at the same time, there's still amazing perseverance. No one's, no one's like, you know what? I'm done with shows. I can't do it. Like, if anything, there's still so much being pumped out and pushed through that uh, it's a testament to people who put in people who glean from and then what they they recycle and put in. And I I just wanted to kind of talk about, I know you were talking about a little bit earlier, but like Scott was a huge part of your writing process and a huge part of what I, I would assume unless otherwise, like that was a golden era for will to live and pride kills, you know, and, um, I, I I just like to hear your thoughts now thinking about the next stage of, uh, you playing shows and not having that, that phone call from Scott or not having that, yo, yo, I got this, I got this riff if you need it, (laughs) you know, like how do you, how are you feeling? 
Look, how are you? How are you feeling about all this right now? Yeah. Well, no. Well, to be honest with you, uh, I mean, there certainly was a a, a transition uh, there uh, for some years. You know, um, uh, you know, Scott. You know, will to live went on hiatus in two thousand and eight. I had a bunch of stuff going on, so did Scott. And um, you know, we're just kind of like uh, uh, we kind of called it a day, and then we we. We did and did like a farewell show that was insanely awesome. There's some video somewhere out there, Josh. I'll send you a link, dude. That video of that quote unquote last World to Live show in 2008 was insane. Well, to tell you the truth, that's the last time I saw Scott, dude. Wow. We, we kept in. T- we we he went off and did his own thing from like 2008 till around maybe four years ago, five years ago, and then uh, we reconnected online and we talked almost daily. But um. But in person, we didn't get to meet up, dude. And uh, in in, even living in the same city, I know Houston's big. We probably have like a like a forty-five to one hour uh, to one hour uh, distance difference between us. But uh, I mean, we I guess he worked night times or whatever, and we just never uh, really linked linked up, man. But um, um, so that being said. I, you know, the, the will to live uh, lineup that I have now has been the lineup since uh, 2010. And um, that's, uh, I hope, is the last will to, live, will to live lineup I ever have because, dude, it's, it's like magic too, man. I mean, we just, seriously, man, we, I, I mean, it sounds horrible, but we, we don't really practice. We just get there and the shit just happens, dude. And we fucking, we kill it uh, with with no practice. We just have uh, I don't know, man. We just have this this little chemistry going on, and that's uh, of course Chris conflict, uh, Daniel, uh, Mike Fury, um, and Eric Gibson. Um, we get together, and the shit just happens, man. And it's uh, it's beautiful because it's it's like we're not even trying; it just happens. Right, it's a little chemistry we have uh, going on, and um, you know um, the new stuff that we have that we're writing. Certainly, uh, it has uh, a lot of that young elements because Daniel's heavy, heavy writing into it. Um, but I mean, it's still, it's still will to live. It is my by far my most. Uh, probably my most ambitious lyrical project because it's uh it's an ep called the therapy sessions and it's almost like every song is it's it's like if you were if you had run into the 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 notebook of uh of a, a psychologist and you fucking every song is like a different notes on a different patient and uh it, you know a lot of these things are not my stories they're, I'm telling the stories of other people that are having struggles that they're seeing a therapist for, and it's been tough to put myself into those shoes and let it be credible. In some cases, I've uh, I've talked to people that I know have been uh, have had to see therapists for certain reasons and uh, gotten their insight and then written songs from that. Uh, very cool. I'm very very excited about it. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll start tracking for it in, in October. I mean, 
I'm going to tell you something for those who haven't really delved deep into the world of will to live lyrics. You've always gone a little bit deeper, which is what always pissed me off about the idea of lumping a band like will to live. Cause it's heavy. And with a tough guy thing, it's like, you don't have a song where you're like, Hey motherfucker, we're going to beat you up. But you got these songs, especially one of my favorite songs all over is a uh, true hero. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you've got this lyrical, this very good lyrical sense of being descriptive of drawing out emotions, but still able to like very much write it in a classic songwriting fashion. Like the choruses are always been a centerpiece for will to live. So as you tell me, you're going deeper and you're writing this thing. It's like, I, as a, as a heavy hardcore guy, we always get looked at as, ah, oh, we're goons, you know, like what the fuck is this guy even saying? But and anyone who can read Rob's lyrics, it's, it's, it's a deeper, it's a deeper dig. It's motivating, and uh, I look forward to you checking it out. I know earlier you just said there's some stuff you wanted to go over. Is there stuff we should gloss back over before we get into the next stage? Like, is there something you want to bring up? Uh, no, no, no. I I, was just, I don't remember exactly what I wanted to go over, but uh, but no, no. <laughs> I, I would say the those lyrics are gonna they're gonna flip you out, dude. They're they're very very personal. Uh, to the to the people that the, the songs are about and uh, and um, just uh, I really I really pushed I'm really pushing the envelope man and 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 I always that's always been a goal of mine man is uh, and, and and it sounds pretentious or whatever but man if if that if li- reading that lyric sheet can be the reason somebody doesn't hurt themselves uh whether it be uh temporarily or permanently then i've done my job man that's that's my responsibility and mind you my that's me not everybody that's in a band has to feel that way but i feel that it's a privilege for me to be able to share my thoughts and my feelings and as i told you before i've had such a fortunate upbringing that uh, i need to i need to give some back that i need to give some good to this world and if writing some stupid lyrics can uh, make a fucking grown ass man cry, and 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 man, I, the amount of fucking grown ass man, scary tattooed people have fucking walked up to me and just bawled that bawled out and said, "Man, that fucking song reminds me of my grandfather. That song reminds me of my mom. That song reminds me of this." Or you know. I used to do this, but this song fucking helped me see things a different way. Man, Joe, that is that is uh, something that's constantly allowed me to live my dreams and my fulfilled my my expectations uh, over and over, you know. And I and I'm so happy that after all these years, I'm still getting the same reaction. Uh, out of lyrics that I write, which, uh, you know, I hope happens with this new world to live stuff and it's already happening very much. So with this true intention stuff, which I'm assuming is probably where you're going to go next. Yeah, I was, um, I'm looking at the internet and, uh, you sort of hit, we were going back and forth and you were telling me you had this new thing going on and send me some stuff. I was getting fucking excited. And then, uh, Mike, my my brother in arms uh shows me the flyer and says 
please die, true intentions, and slap shot. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, not only are you back, but you're playing Boston, and we're going to be there. We're going to fucking wreck that whole place. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, I like, it's such a, to me, like, there's earlier in the story we're talking about how it was hard for Will to live to get up there, you know, you know, being a Texas band. Here you are, you know. You're going to be up in Boston for a fucking show that is going to be insane, and yeah, featuring featuring Philadelphia's finest, Shark Attack, and Philadelphia's finest, Please Die, and Slapshot. It's going to be fucking excellent. So Dude, let's I start from it. where. Let's start from the differentiating point. Where does True Intentions start? Will to live end? What pulled you into True Intentions? Like, give me the give me the rundown of True Intentions. You're gonna fucking not even believe this shit. Well, well, before before I continue, uh, will to live doesn't end. Will to live continues, right? Yeah. Uh, these these are bands that are going side by side. Uh, oh, is this gonna be video also? Or just audio. It's audio. Okay, good. My I just put my hands out there, and they're all full of fucking. I uh, got a face. I got a face for radio, so I uh, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, dude, you know how I fucking found out about the true intentions was fucking Scott. Scott, uh, Scott hit me up, you know, and he goes, "Hey, man, my stepkid is drumming for a band with these dudes from New Zealand, and uh, they got some pretty cool sounding songs, man. I want to know if you want to check them out." And he sent them to me, and it was song number one and song number two, and I was like, "Damn, man, this shit is like straight up, like sick of it all." East Coast kind of like Clevelandish sounding shit, right up my alley, dude. It reminisced, made me reminisce so much of the stuff that I was doing with Primitive. And I said, "Man, Scott, that shit is badass, dude. I like it a lot." He goes, "You do, huh? Well, fucking, you should sing. <laughs> I think that they're gonna be looking for a vocalist, and I think I'm gonna be throwing back, throwing down on guitars uh, at some point too. And uh, man." The rest is history, Joe. This was a like a around May of last year, and it was kind of like a, like a COVID baby project thing. And uh, as it, as it was told to me, it was like, "Hey, we're gonna write five or six songs to the best of our ability and record them for uh, for uh, posterity." I'm sorry for posterity, and that's that. You know, and I said, well, man, that sounds like something I could do. And, uh, man, from the first time that I I started writing for it, I was like, man, this is, okay, hold on, man. Let me call this dude. And I was like, hey, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I asked uh, Scott's stepkid. Uh, his name is Christian. I asked him, hey, what's this dude, the, the writing guy? What's his name? Reese. And Reese is this guy from New Zealand. Uh, Riz Williams, he was in a band called Balance out of New Zealand. That's like the world to live. As as he as as uh, as people in New Zealand have told me, that's like the world to live of New Zealand, right? Um, and um, and then he he moved to the states and was jamming with uh, with Roger Murray and the Disasters. Um, Roger Murray and the Disasters, and then later on he jammed with uh, Ryan from. Ten Crowns, his, his band that he does now, which is uh, an awesome band that I also recommend that you check out called Liberty and Justice. Hell yeah, we had them on my, uh, we have another podcast 
called Rule of Three, and we opened uh, the last episode out. Love that fucking band. Fuck yeah. Well, you know that they, they've uh, they've moved on with their own uh, with the, with their project without Reese, uh, and uh, the dudes that they have in the band now are absolutely insane. But at one point, this guy Reese started the band along with uh, the bass player Johnny Rio, and Johnny Rio you may know from yep. uh, from the Bruisers, from uh, the Street Dogs. He sends his love, by the way, when I told Watch him I'd be talking to you, and. Oh yeah, man, that's fucking very charismatic, dude. And um, so then I said, "Let me call Reese and find out exactly what if, what the fuck he wants." Because if he wants me to be singing, hey, 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 oh, if he needs me to be melodic, if he needs me to do all this and that, uh, then I'm not the guy. And I want to know what he expects musically. If he wants to hear some street punk stuff, if he wants to hear some. Uh, always sounding stuff I, it's just not me uh, i'd be a miscast you know and then we started talking and he's like a fucking late 40s straight edge old guy like me and um and his favorite bands are some of the same bands that are my favorite bands some of some of my bands that have never left my rotation like judge like gb uh chromax and um I'm like, okay, well, well, what are you not looking for, and what are you looking for, dude? And he said, man, I just want something that is 100% genuine, something genuine, and uh, something that is heartfelt. And uh, if, if you know, if you can, if you feel you can do that, uh, then we got something going on. And I said, Papa, that's all I know how to do. <laughs> I don't know how much you know about Will to Live, but that's pretty much what I've been doing I've been blowing the face in the background you know it's just trying to do something genuine something legit and something that uh is unpretentious and um that's uh after that conversation man I I just started putting uh putting lyrics to the songs and and it it came through so effortlessly um that it was scary man and um I started doing something that I'm that I will forever do going forward, which is, uh, you know, shame to admit I never did it. You know, for for me, the studio has always been a place I've hated. So it's always been, uh, hey, let's uh, re- go. Why don't you guys record the music and then I'm gonna go in there and put put my put my lyrics into <laughs> basically re- do my vocals there in the booth. And no wonder I was hated it, man. So in this this case, uh, in this situation for for this uh, EP, I demoed everything using GarageBand on my iPhone. Oh shit! And uh, holy fucking shit, dude! By the time I got to the studio, I spat everything out. Like I was tracking songs in like 30, 40 minutes, and they sound the way you hear them now. And um, I'm doing that for the world to live pre-prod right now, and I'm just having a blast. I think it's like. It's done my voice wonders uh, and my my creativity wonders uh, to have uh, gone that route. Um, so, yeah, man, um, that's uh, we ended up uh, having our first band practice with True Intentions right before Mike went in there to do drums. Uh, as I told you, the original uh, person involved in drums when I came into this project was uh, Christian Arnold, who's uh, Scott's uh, stepson. And, uh, you know, he, he had some changes in his job, some changes in his life, and he wasn't be able, he wasn't going to be able to continue, especially 
with the hard, you know, schedule that we were trying to set because I really wanted to have everything tracked before 2020 was done. And uh, enter Mike, you know, the, these guys asked me, well, who do, we, do you have anybody else in mind? And I said, man, uh, until life says otherwise, if I'm going to need a drummer, it will always be the person I trust most with drums now, uh, who is Mike Fury. And because um, that's somebody that gets it, that gets me. And, and what I like about about hardcore, you know, which is a heavy element, but a, but a punk element as well. Um, and, uh, you know, he had about about two weeks to listen to the songs that that didn't that that had drums uh and uh for him to come up with his own and uh do his you know put his own flavor and his own signature to things and then uh there was a couple of songs that that uh he had to come up with from scratch and uh fuck man they sound as good as as you hear him sound in the ep that we released this past uh saturday and after that first practice i was like i know this shit's gonna become a a band. This, this, this is not going to be a project, dude. There's going to be more to come after this. And, um, you know, man, uh, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, the, everybody is so seasoned and so skilled at what they're doing. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that my, my, my boys and wolves live or not. It's just like, you know, these guys, um, it just has a different feel, you know. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, they're definitely a lot more. Uh, the word I'm looking for is experienced in in being in a band that is uh, more serious, you know. Uh, uh, Johnny through his trajectory and not only playing as a musician but also as a tour manager, also as a guitar tech for the Boston's. Um, you know, uh, Reese with his uh, own experience with, with Roger Merritt and in his bands that he's done over the years, it's uh, the standard of uh, of what they're looking for sonically is different from anything that I've dealt with before, man. I mean, shit, I, I, I'm talking about Daniel that does stuff for that, that's the picky one in Will to Live, and, and he manages to push things into a into a very good direction. I'm telling you, with these guys, they were talking and listening and, and finding shit on the mix that I was like, I fucking no clue. That first mix sounded like God's, like God's music to me. And they're like, no, 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 no. They're like, no, 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 no. We need to bring this in and that comes. Like, you don't hear how that makes how that makes it sound different. And I'm like, fuck no. It sounds great as it is. Yeah, me, me and you were the same fucking way. One take, Daddy sounds great. Move on. <laughs> and then no, but then. But then I listened to what they were saying, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, you are right, dude." Bringing in those fucking overhead mics for the for the cymbals totally fucking changed the it changed the sound of the song. And um, again, you know that that is very fucking cool. And um, you know, having a blast with uh, True Intentions. We look forward to doing more things. And just so you know, as a as a preview. Um. So we're putting this thing out and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to promote it and, uh, and play out for it. But man, my man already has, uh, oh boy, Reese already has like 
pretty much a full length on deck. So, I mean, we're talking about prolific riders that, you know, have hardcore coming out of their ears. And, you know, uh, I think uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that as well, man. You know. Now, it is exciting. And like I said, right off the bat, I saw you guys on that show. I'm like, all right, he's stepping it the fuck up. This is going to be great. Now, uh, yeah. how does how does Will to Live and True Intentions sync up with 2021 Rob? What like with your life, with your family, like it, like you know, like obviously you go on a hiatus, but you don't stop. You're not a person who stops. And I know you always had different things going on with work, and it always gave you some pride, and you've always been successful in these things. So, do you look now that you're in your mid 40s as hardcore bands being something to do because of what you've always done, and you don't want to walk away from it? Versus the whole, I'm going to quit my job and the wife's got to take care of the kids. Like, where does this band buttress into your regular life now? Man, hardcore. And and it's crazy because as I'm going to say this to you. It sounds like I'm quoting fucking True Intentions lyrics, but it's given me everything. Everything. You know, my best friends, my wife I met through hardcore. Um And not having hardcore in my life is like, it's like not having air, <laughs> like not having air to breathe. Really, it's just it's it's part of me, and I'm part of it, man. So, um, in my current life, uh, certainly, um, my responsibility, my first responsibility, is to my wife and my son. You know, I have a fucking amazing super gifted, uh, you know, young man in the autism spectrum that requires uh, our full involvement. Uh, and, uh, and man, you know, just like the day they handed him to me when, when he was born, July 31st, 2013, and I looked at him and I said, man, I'm your father and I will always, always be there for you. Uh, and that is a lifetime promise for me. Um, as he has gotten older, um, you know, my wife has, has, my wife Esperanza has always been a driving force in, in many things in my life, has always been the one poking me to, okay, okay, keep moving here, keep moving, you're, 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 uh, you're standing still for too long, uh, literally and figuratively as well, you know, that, that's what I think makes us a, a good match is that, uh, she can motivate me further into things. She's always told me that she wanted me to, um, that I should consider uh, becoming more active with the band because in her appreciation, it's something that's good for me and it's something that's good for everybody, really. Uh, people, people miss it. And um, I, I hope that's the case. But whether it is the case or not, I, I am becoming more active. I it will definitely be something that I can do as time permits. You know, I I mean, I definitely want to to play. Uh, you know, I, I know that we'll, with uh, with true intentions, we may be able to play a little bit more with Wolves Live. Uh, you know, everybody 
we have some brand new daddies. You know, Chris has a two-year-old yep. baby. Yep. And and, uh, and he married a, a, a beautiful, amazing woman uh, named Stacy who has, you know, she had a, a, a sizable family of her own. And, you know, Chris has a responsibility to her and all those kids that are his kids, uh, you know, um, now, you know, and, and um, uh, our bassist Eric has a, a one-year-old baby girl just turned one uh, recently. So with uh, young families like that, I mean, it's only natural that the, the, the focus is, is there at the time. And like I said, I don't really, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm so in love with the, the lineup that this, this last lineup we have a will to live that I'm not, I'm not interested in like necessarily going out on the road with, uh, with villains as fun as that, as fun and as, uh, challenging or exciting as adrenaline, uh, infusing as that that that's been in some cases uh, i don't really want to do that anymore uh with will to live it needs to be that way and for that for the for true intentions i hope we can make it the same way too where it's like hey if we all can't do it let's just not do it um but i think i mean i hope that answers you the, the question all right so what i was going to get to is your sentiment about keeping the lineup together is that a response to looking back on the will to live and everything we talked about like was very similar thing for me with punishment where and even when um early on pre me and shadow realm and especially in me and shadow realm where we would take the cost maybe maybe do we lose value by playing at any cost and now do you look back, do you think like, fuck, if we would have had the same tight lineup, is there anything that m makes you want this tight lineup that has anything to do with uh, mistakes or regrets from the will to live error, the early will to live error that is? No, you know what? I don't think so. I think it's more of a <laughs> practicality of it. Just like, you know, I would feel so weird at this, at this age having to teach the songs to somebody you know or like i mean I, I had so many of those moments where it's like uh well fuck i don't know dude you're the guy that, you're the guitarist you're the guy <laughs> you're the guy feel, you know that wants to that, that's looking to fill in for guitar i mean i thought you knew how to play you know i don't know like um i would i would say that i just don't look forward i wouldn't look forward to Starting over, starting with somebody green, you know. Uh, when when what we have right now, it's so good in its own. I think it's it's uh, more like that, and also like it makes it more more serious, you know. That I, I mean, I did it several times, but like with my with my bands that I liked, I didn't like seeing them with fillings, dude. Fair <laughs> enough. No, that's what I was to get to that. Um, what would you have given a younger Rob any uh, info to go off of? What what we what kind of advice would you have given a younger Rob in the early stages of Will to Live, knowing what you know now about the band and where you guys ended up? Get out there. Get out of the if the mountain the mountain is not gonna come to you, 
you go to the mountain. That is that is an undeniable fact that if I, I think if I had, uh, if I had signed, you know, like being a novice and I was like, well, I don't know what the fuck a record deal looks like in fucking with a with the European label. And I did listen to some advice from from some friends that had a similar sounding band to mine sign with that same record label uh, and give me their piece of what they thought of said label. You know, maybe I should have gone and, and, and done it anyway and tested the waters. You know, who knows? Uh, I mean, this whole fucking being signed and having more than a 10% uh, of the, of every pressing or whatever, it's not such a big deal when you're a band that nobody knows from Texas, <laughs> you know? So I would say that that would be the, the best advice I could give Rob is, uh, you know, get out there, um, let, you know, let people, let let a bigger, a broader audience know what you're talking about and what your sound is. And, you know, you'll, you will uh, see that your message carries further, you know, all, all, I mean, honestly, Joe, all I've uh, very early into world's live, I got to play with all my favorite bands. So, I mean, like one of my first shows was with suicidal tendencies. My first show was with Mad Boy, Hate Bear, Earth Crisis and, and Scarhead. Um, so, it's more of a desire to be heard, and um, and like I said before, you know what power some of these lyrics can have. For whatever reason, I always had a way with writing. I always had a, a way with composing. I, you know, I was always a fucking friend that was always writing shit for <laughs> writing shit for my friends, for uh, family members, um, etc. You know. Um, so, I don't know, man, I just, uh, that, is, that would be, in, uh, in summary, that, that's what I would tell younger Rob. Get out there, dude. Don't, don't fuck around. If you, you have something you, you want heard, get out there so people can hear it. Before that farewell show, what do you think was the best Will to Live local show that you can think of before that farewell show? The, the undeniably, because it was uh, um, a moment that I was waiting for since the band started, the Reflections of Human Characters uh, release show. I'll send you a fucking picture of that flyer, dude. I just found it recently. Who um, was on it? What was it? What was it like? Well, as I said before, my brothers and I again were in it. Uh, holy fucking shit, Joe! I can't even remember all the bands that were in there, but I'm sure by the sound of the by the year being 2000, 2003, I'm damn sure. I know I against was in it for sure. Uh, there were four hundred and thirty three people packed into that night. That was maximum. Wow! And that's a that's in Houston. And that <sighs> night, you know, Scott wasn't even in the in in the band at that point. But you know what, dude? When we're starting World to Live, we would look at videos. You know, you know, you've seen those videos of like Hatebreed. You know that you know that that video of Hatebreed playing at the skate show, at the yeah. skate park. 
uh, and there's this this videos of Bane having this massive pylons during Can We Start Again? And yeah. I, and I and I and I remember looking at Scott and saying, "That's the shit we need to do here, Scott. We need that shit here. The fuck going over there is to get it over there. Let's do it here in Texas." And you know what, Joe? We had that that night. And um, I just remember fucking being in that fucking cloud of like, fucking, we did it, dude. We fucking did it. And it was like that. <laughs> it was like a Rocky and Adrian moment at the ending of Rocky 1, dude. I, I Everybody was trying to talk to me, dude. And I was just fucking, <laughs> I was just. I was just looking for Scott, man. I was looking for Scott in the crowd, and um, and I fucking just I remember fucking grabbing him like this, and I said, "Fucking see that shit, dude? We fucking did it, dude. We fucking did it." You know, and that show was uh, my best show for what it meant and for how wild it was. Up until that farewell show, and and followed closely by the first time we played in in Monterey, Mexico. That well, Monterey, Monterey is always insane. Fucking that show was that first show was at the at Cafe Iguana, like right before Paul Diano played there. And um, man, I I I had no idea that so many kids would turn out and would just be going crazy for it. So there was a so many fucking pits going on that night that I just I couldn't wrap my mind around it, man. I sold out of merch. We we were about to go up northeast for the first time, and I was like, dude, we fucking sold out of everything, uh, pretty much. So, yeah, those songs stick out, dude. I mean, those shows stick out. Nah, it's in, it's a it's important at times to have these kind of like these shows to kind of like have the high mark. You know, to, to to remind us, like, this is the, you know, where they say these are our salad days, so to speak. But it's great. I'm really happy that you haven't given up yet and that you got so much coming up. I saw a Will to Live show at the end of the year. Right? Yes. That, well, there, there's a Will to Live show going on in October. Yeah. So it was one last month. There's another one coming up in October. And, oh, yeah, there's one in Corpus. Yeah, there's one in Corpus, uh, the Riff uh, Fight Fest. Um, that's uh, the fucking Corpus is always great to us too, man. That Corpus got a lot of fucking family down there, a lot of friends, um, and uh, and the other one's gonna be the one in October is gonna be in Austin. So I, I look forward to doing those too, man. Hell yeah. I- do what do you do? You have anything you'd like to add to this? I know they're thinking about it because I know you were saying you said earlier, you're like, man, there's so much stuff I'd still like to say. Is there a band that we didn't talk about that's from that legacy moment for you guys? Like, is there is there is there something that I didn't touch about? When we talk about between uh, whether it was like you coming into hardcore. Like, I just want to make sure we cover this. No, so you gave- no, I think we did. We could we talked about sick of it all, which is my my fucking gateway into hardcore. It is. That is the central theme of uh, the song "Point of Origin," which is the tr- the the title track of the EP, and it, it, it te- that whole story I told you about 
meeting Lou and then how how I was with you know, it was such a an impacting moment that for me every single time I went to a show after that and I saw a young kid that looked just as brand new and lost as I looked, I make sure I fucking bring him in, dude. And like it's okay, dude. So don't we're just having fun, man. Don't, you know, you're still breath still smelling like Similac. Don't <laughs> don't mean that you don't mean that you're not gonna fucking be in a badass band two years from now. You know, I I don't know that. I hope that you do. I hope that you're that kid. You know, I hope you're the kid that does a podcast. I hope that that you fucking kick ass and and you get to play fucking this is hardcore. Do you know anything about um this this whole weird question? There's a there's this young kid, Zane, and this other kid Olan. They're on the Twitter. Do you know these kids? Zane and Olan. Yeah, Olan. I don't know if you know them. They're on the Twitter. They're uh, they were trolling me. These little motherfuckers. Zane is a little bit smarter than Olan, uh, <laughs> and uh, the kids out of his goddamn mind. But I think they're like West Texas kids. I didn't know. I didn't even know if you knew these. Uh, I'm, I'm to pull glad them. I don't. The I kids like- in this. Uh, the kid Olan's in this band called the Kinky Bastards. Oh, and God. the minute the minute you said uh, the minute you said. <laughs> Similac breath, like this is like a fucking twelve year old boy, like like a six foot tall twelve year old boy. He's a total. I don't know. I don't know him except for the Twitter. He cracks me up. I didn't know if uh, I, I don't know the man. And you know, I'm uh, now they're just. I just had to ask you because uh, hopefully some Texas people will crack up at me knowing who Olan is because he fucking trolls me on Twitter all the time. Um, tells you, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know them. Um, but uh. Keep an eye out, man. Nah. Um, for me, there's a lot to be said here that I don't think I could ask you the question that's going to hit the nail on the head. But I wanted people to understand that everything comes from something. And when it comes to Texas hardcore, without you, the entire path and trajectory would have been different. And I, one of my favorite movies I always say is, It's a Wonderful Life. And you pull Rob Will to live out of the equation and so much, if it happens, it happens in a different fashion and maybe not as impactful. And um, I've always been, from the minute you explained to me, like your your idea and your entire concept of building this up. And so I'm just so happy that you shared this with people so people understand, you know, it's my job to cap you up and say, Hey man, thank you for what you did. Cause I know the whole time you did it, it, it was out of love for this whole thing. And like when you sat there and said this hardcore thing gave you everything, it's, I, I, I relate to that entire sentence, everything that I have. I mean, I'm talking about every, like there isn't a moment. There isn't a moment from the point where I found hardcore that hasn't given me something that has stayed with me my entire life. Good and bad. Nothing. Is and, the same. And uh, the most important integral people to me are because of the hardcore scene and th- everything that I everything that I learned, you know, about the world because I got to travel because of hardcore could go on and on. So I, I relate so heavily to what you said. So um, give us some final thoughts, and then I'm going to tell everybody the same thing. We're going to look at the show notes for all the shit on True Intentions and any kind of 
goings ons. And then for those of you who unfortunately slept and getting your tickets for that slap shot show, true intentions is coming to the East coast. And then we'll be bringing, we're going to be looking to get will to live out to the East coast. We're going to be looking to see my friends again. And, um, I just appreciate you. I appreciate your story. Appreciate your humility. As an immigrant, I know that there's an extra level of work ethic that a normal American just doesn't really grasp because there's a little bit more lazy ass. Like, ah, you know, but you see the promise in this. And it's like what you said that really stuck with me hearing your story. When you trans when you transferred over from being like a Miami death metal guy who found hardcore and then you come to Texas. And you're like, what the fuck is Texas? And where someone else might have been like, oh, there's not a lot going on here. You really made something special. And, you know, the world, I just hope the world understands your impact. And I thank you as a brother and a friend for years of support and good times. And uh, just sign off. And, uh, again, all this stuff will be in the show notes. Yes, yes. No, thank you, Joe. Uh, um, you know, I... I, you know, I'm a self-driven individual, you know, I, I was, I was raised that way. Um, and you do the right thing and you do it right because, because it's the right thing to do. And because if you don't do it right, someone else may, may come back and not do it as, you know, as it needs to be done. But I fucking will tell you that it does feel good to, to be recognized and especially by somebody, uh, such as yourself who, who have, you know, by your trajectory and by your connections over the years uh, and by what you've done for so many different people, you've, you've met them all. You've met them all. So it's, uh, you know, there's one thing that uh, I can always say is that I don't really, I don't have the respect of, of everyone necessarily out there, but I have the respect of the people that I give a shit about. <laughs> Fucking right. Fucking right. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, it. I, I sure do. Uh, speaking of, dude, I... I, one thing I want to say before I cap off is I really want to thank the the people that fucking um, the people that that helped be that helped out in the True Intentions EP. Uh, you know, we did a digital release this past uh, weekend, but uh, I haven't really put it out there yet. I have some pictures, and I'm like, I'm so I've had so much other stuff going on, but the the personnel, the guest personnel, is uh, is. Uh, a summary of the people that have helped me the most too, you know, uh, on track one has Scott Vogel in it. Um, the ace off the fucking track of, of the, of the goddamn, um, uh, deck. And then track two has, uh, Aaron knuckles in it. The, the one, two punch right there. Jesus punch dude. And then, uh, track three has the, I call it the New Zealand boys choir, <laughs> but it's like, it has like a fucking twelve-person group of uh, gang vocalists from New Zealand, from dudes that are from the from Reese's uh, town. Uh, and uh, track four, I don't know if you're gonna believe who, who who came out of the woodwork for this one. Uh, Daryl from Snapcase is on track four. Wow! And that's um, he did he did a great job, and and um, and Gabe Wells from Pride Kills is. Uh, He's, uh, he's he caps that that the very last word on that on that song, and then uh, you know there's definitely other people that would have uh, liked to have contributed, but I wanted to make sure that 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 people knew that that this band could stand on its own. Um, but for the last song is a is a, for the um, 
uh, uniform choice covers. Uh, we, we covered Screaming for Change, and it was uh, we got Flint from uh, Life Force. Oh shit! Jump in on that. Yeah, he, he absolutely kills it, man. So uh, when you listen, to also it, one of my favorite hardcore songs of all time. Yes. Well, when you listen to it, uh, youngster, hold on. Thank you. Okay, I'll have another one. Say hi to Joe. Hey. <laughs> it's awesome. The sour cream and onion. He knows that. He knows I hate onion. But uh, but anyway, um, so I, I definitely wanted to give props to to those dudes for helping us out. Um, and in the case of Vogel and Aaron, uh, you know, they fucking took foot out of their mouth uh, for for Will to Live in the past. And when I asked about this project, there was no second thought, you know. So I'm very, very grateful. Um, I, uh, as, as far as uh, things to say, uh, you know, Will, Will to Live, uh, as I mentioned, we are going to be tracking starting this October for uh, this uh, new EP uh, entitled uh, The Therapy Sessions. Um, it's uh, going to be tracked in Houston. And uh, I think uh, people are going to be surprised when they hear it. Um, as for True Intentions, um, we are uh, playing this weekend uh, with uh, Death Before Dishonor. This is part of the tour that uh, that Madball had to unfortunately postpone their, their appearances in. Uh, but the shows are still happening. Uh, I think this, the first show is in in Austin tonight, I believe. Yeah, they're playing there tonight. They're in San Antonio tomorrow uh, with uh, Death Force Honor and Ballista are, are still out on the road, and they're playing with uh, different uh, local support. Uh, and uh, so that's our first show is actually going to be this Saturday, uh, and uh, we're, we're joined by uh, Departure uh, as well as uh, History Repeats uh, from here from Houston. And then the following day, we're playing in, in Dallas at Club Dada with uh, – uh, Soledad, uh, my boy Andy's band, uh, Mangala, and uh, oh my goodness, uh, someone's gonna kill me for not remembering the the, the name, but um, but yeah, we, we got that going on, and then as you mentioned already, uh, the show in 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 Boston for the Slapshot 35 year, uh, with uh, Murphy's Law, Shark Attack, uh, and um, and please die, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, definitely stoked on that. Um, and then, as far as things that I have uh, uh, cracking, also um, uh, do visit me if you get a chance uh, to uh, my uh, my big cartel store for uh, my company. Uh, that's a tested and true company. Dot uh, dot and uh, that's the home of a couple of different uh, clothing lines, including Grown Streetwear. Uh, I'm running some cool specials going on there right now. Um, and then uh, you can also uh, certainly visit uh, the, you can find True Intentions uh, at, uh, uh, on Instagram at True, uh, at True Intentions Band. And you can also find us on, on Facebook. Uh, you can find Will to Live at Will to Live TXHC on uh, Instagram and uh, just search for us on on Facebook as well. Um, there's also uh, we also have the the clothing line a store for Will to Live, which is on Big Cartel, and that is Will to Live uh, dot Big Cartel 
www.ghostbusinessclub.com. And uh, last but not least, you can also uh, catch my business that I run with my wife. Uh, that is the www.senseofhope.sensi.us. Uh, you can catch us there too. Uh, and besides that, my friend, um, I mean, I could talk all night, <laughs> but we're gonna, we're gonna, at some point, I gotta get some sleep, and I know you, I know you're gonna be doing some work. Nah, man, this is so worth it. Uh, all those links are going to be up in the show notes at tiacpodcast.com. One Stop. thing to be cl- one thing to be clear is that you are one hundred percent a grown ass man. You are one hundred percent tested and fucking true. I have so much love and respect for you, and I'm so glad that we get to see you in the coming year, man. It's going to be fucking fantastic. I've always nah, loved Joe, and you know what? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's. I already love the fucking city of Philadelphia because of Rocky and because of fucking Ronnie James Dio doing that fucking show, The Spectrum, in 1986. But, God damn it, to have had that first tour with you, who was so fucking knowledgeable of your own city, and uh, put us on some fucking awesome shows, and then taking us to Lucky's. Hell yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, man, that I, I have nothing but the best of memories with you. And then, and then to fucking top it off, you put us on... Uh, when I said I, I want to play this as hardcore, you just said, "Tell me when you want to come." Yep. And that is uh, fucking a, a testament of all the respect uh, and love that we have for each other, my brother Joe. Thank you. Uh, I wish you always the best uh, to you and your loved ones, and uh, I, I look forward to listening to continue to listen to your podcast uh, and uh, and all the wonderful guests that you have. Uh, I've, I've I've learned something from. Uh, different little stories from from some of your guests and uh, the people that I you know I thought I knew uh, their story a little better and uh, I always learn something when I listen to your podcast because you know how to get um, the true essence of uh, and the true story out of people man thank you you're you're so talented Joe thank you well I appreciate that compliment I I, I look to have someone come on and give us a piece of them. So we can all understand how we have some continuity and synchronicity. And without fail, every episode, someone hits me with, you know, I never, I never knew that. And that's all that matters. Cause it's not like, it's not, I'm looking, not looking for the sketchy story. I'm not looking for the mm-hmm. clickbait. I'm looking for the story that reminds us that we're all so much more similar than we really give any credit to. So Absolutely. thank you for it. Thank you for acknowledging that. And um, now nah, this is awesome. Just thank you. Yo, thank you, my friend. I'll send you that interview uh, from 1998 where they're asking me what I think about the current state of Texas hardcore and what I want to do with Will to Live as a brand new band. I'll send that to you so you can see that this shit is fucking tested and true. No, thank you so much. Thank you once again for the patience. And God willing, the gear stays in good shape and we don't have any more pauses. Try to make up somewhere the last two episodes, but got a bunch going forward. Some people that might not be at the top of the Mount Rushmore for hardcore, but to me have had impacts. And then some of those types, like I said, Wally's coming back on Gators coming back on, got a lot of big names coming forward and I just can't fucking wait. So thank you for the patience and thank you for the support. Remember all of our guests, you can check out all the info, the links, whatever, com. You can follow and support us at phillyhcshows.com. You can follow and support 
This is HardcoreFest.com, and just thank you. Can't wait for next week. Take care.